What up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Nick and Manny's Infinite Podcast. You know, we're going to start each episode from now on super weird after the Incredible Hulk intro, which I don't know <laughs> if you kept. <laughs> I kept. You kept it? Yeah, oh, yeah. That was that was a very weird intro. Because I only kept it because I could segue it into a super bad reference on my end, which any chance I can get to reference yeah. super bad, I will. Yes, that is very true. You do indeed love that movie, and for good reason. But yes. uh, we're here. It's been a little bit since a podcast because, to be honest, we don't really do a lot to warrant a podcast episode. But this week piled up a lot of stuff for us to talk about. So there you oh, go. The, the, by the way, if you're a first time listener, this is Nick and May's Infinite Podcast. I don't think we said that at the outset of the show. I said at the very beginning. Did you? I never I never hear you say it. So I always think you forget to say it. And I'm very conscious <laughs> of what sure you I say it very. Often. OK, I'm very conscious of the story you told about your podcasting teacher being like at the start of the show. You have to say the name of the show and like the objective of the show, what the show is about. I'm very conscious of that. And I the show ends when we die. Yeah, that's the only that's the only thing we're going to yeah. talk about whatever until we croak let's talk about death guys everything everywhere all at once no i'm kidding we're not gonna talk about it we've talked about it enough the conversation for that movie has passed yes and we're gonna save our thoughts on death for a big episode down the line exactly but we will save our thoughts on the everything bagel for when nick returns from WangerCon. Mm-hmm. well i don't know what kind of bagel i'm gonna get there but listen i recommend a good asiago is a good bagel um if you like plain then just get a plain bagel there's nothing wrong with that um, but then it also depends if you want like a sandwich bagel, because if you want like the bacon, egg, cheese, boom, that's a great bagel to get right there. If you want to add some like aioli sauce on it, another solid sandwich. If you just want to put some classic schmear on it, that's perfectly fine, too. At this point, it's a cheat for me to try any form of a bagel at all before I get there. But I should have just tried a plain bagel, get an idea for the texture of it and all that before I actually got a bagel with stuff on it. Before I pay for a bagel at a bakery in Las Vegas, I feel like I should have a game plan going in, but I'm just going to wing it. Yeah, because I mean, like, and you're there multiple days. So, well, I know you don't want to eat the same food multiple days, but you could have like two bagels, have like a plain one one day. And then if you want to do like an Asiago the last day when you guys head out, there's mm-hmm. bound to be probably a a bagel place inside of the airport. So maybe you get one of those before maybe. you head out. True. I could do that. Harley says you the could. show goes on hiatus until we remember we have one. We've, we have never been on hiatus for that long. I don't think we've gone longer no. than like two, maybe three weeks without a regular episode. I think three weeks was the longest. We I think that was the max. Yeah. I think this I think this one was also three weeks since the last one. But we did get out a couple commentaries mm-hmm. in between them. Yeah, which uh, my best friend is always thrilled about. Every time we post a commentary, he he gets annoyed that he checks his notifications for the show and sees that that's a commentary rather than an episode. Yes, it's just, you know, sometimes we don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> so. Yeah we're friends we like each other we can find stuff to talk about to shoot the shit for the length of a show but also we don't we don't want to feel obligated to have to do that yes so we want to give you guys good content not just content but i mean here we are we're back together we could do we could do games i thought you meant talking about games i'm like well yeah we'll probably do that of course we'll talk about games it's what we do we're gamers guys gamer I'm not going to say it. I feel like the show's you know, become you know. more gaming focused as we've gone on rather than movies. I feel like we'd start when we well, started. There hasn't been anything movie related. This year has been a drought for movies. <laughs> the rest of the year doesn't look much more promising on the movie front. Not really on the game front either, at least not for stuff I'm interested in. But 
But at least games in the summer, we know that we'll have, for instance, PlayStation Direct is Thursday. Summer Games Fest starts next week. The Xbox and Bethesda show is that same weekend. We'll probably get a Nintendo show in June, too. Yeah, we'll get a Nintendo show. So at least the summer, we know that there will be gaming stuff. Yeah, we'll at least get news. Give us more concrete info on the rest of the year, which is usually, if nothing else, that's the purpose that E3 or Summer Game Fest would serve. Yeah, which it is sad that, you know, E3 isn't happening because E3's just sort of been a staple, but at the same time, they haven't been uh, evolving as of late. So yeah, with things like the Nintendo Treehouse or PlayStation Rex or the Xbox Present shows, like they're their own version of E3. And while I do enjoy them, and the fact that we can get them more often, I liked how E3 would just pile on all the big stuff. Yeah. And it would be one show a year where we'd get a good mixture of stuff that we aren't excited for and stuff that we are. But now, like, there's four directs a year and there's three or seven uh, PlayStation directs where it's like, okay, this isn't that good. This was kind of mm-hmm. bad. This was 20 minutes of whatever. And then you get the show in June or July or August where it's like, okay, here's God of War. Here's Spider-Man. Here's Wolverine. Here's whatever's coming out. But uh, yeah. Yeah, PlayStation Direct is on Thursday. I guess we're already talking about games. You so. keep calling it PlayStation Direct. It's State of Play. Nintendo has the Direct brand. State of Play. Sorry, that's what it is. State of Play. Yeah, I... Nintendo's got the Direct branding down. Treehouse is like when they actually show off gameplay of upcoming games. A, a Direct is just like the, the announcements and stuff. Yeah, and, and it's also the name of their booth at E3. It's the that's Nintendo right, yeah. Treehouse. Yeah. So that's what I think about when I... And of course, Nintendo Direct. But State of Play is what playstation is and so this thursday they said oh yeah we'll show off psvr rumors that we're finally gonna get a release date for god of war and that it'll be concrete a couple other things that are rumored to be there cod's rumored to be there i've seen rumors of another sly cooper last of us so there's a couple things that are going to be there so i i will report to y'all when i see it Mm -hmm. um obviously when we record next which might honestly be after all the big shows yeah which is another three weeks. <laughs> so we're sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. PlayStation wise, that's, that's all. That's all on you. Yeah. I'll watch the direct when it happens. I will. Whenever Xbox does their thing, I'll at least like look into it. I don't know if I'll watch the whole presentation because Xbox usually has a pretty low ratio of stuff I'm interested in because they show off a lot of indie games from all the developers that they own. And most of those I don't necessarily care for. Ooh, I love a good indie I do Love too, but it's game. not the it's not the kind of stuff that gets me hype necessarily. It's like, oh, they'll be kind of. It neat. doesn't get me hype. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm like, it won't get me hype, but I'll be like, oh, okay, that's something for me to check out when yeah. it comes out. And game there's pa- the occasional one where I'm like, that looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Game Pass also makes that a little easier because it's it's conceivably like, oh, I have a good chance of being able to play this. Whereas Nintendo, when they do their Nindies showcase or whatever their branding is for that now, or they show off indies and their directs i'm like well that looks cute but I, i'm not i don't want to have to pay 20 bucks for it and also sometimes don't want to yeah. wait for something to go on sale either so it's like by the time it goes on sale i've lost interest in it game pass at least gives me more of an incentive yeah. to be like ooh, i might actually want to play this yeah because game pass gives you hundreds of games for a low price of 15 dollars a month and right now if you buy pc game pass you can get it for a dollar for your first month even if you are an existing like returning member you get a month for a dollar and then you get two months at it so that's three months for a dollar right now with xbox game pass on pc um i shill of course but i do love game pass in general uh there was the whole twitter thing a couple days ago 
when a bunch of people said like, hey, I'm going to stop my Game Pass subscription for a little bit until there's something that comes out. And then Xbox was like, tell me you only play AAA games without telling me you only play AAA games. And I'm like, what a roast. But that's because I like indies. Obviously, if it's not for you right now and if it's a financial thing, don't worry about it. Get it canceled. Come back whenever you want. That's what's great about Game Pass personally. But enough shilling for Game Pass. Let's talk about PlayStation Plus Premium. I'll talk about it because I know about it since I have a PlayStation. Uh, Nick does not know that much about it. I know basically nothing except that I've heard the emulation quality is pretty bad. That is the first and only thing I've really heard about this thing. Which was immediately what I said was going to be the case when I heard they're going to be stream only. Um, Because those of you who are not aware, PlayStation has its different services, right? So you have PlayStation Plus, which is your monthly access to playing online, and it'll give you your free games of the month. It's, you know, their version of Xbox Live. And then they also have PlayStation Now, which is their original, quote-unquote, version of a Game Pass-like service. I think they both launched around the same time, but it's a catalog of games that you can play for 15 bucks a month. And they have now decided to bundle them all together to where you have three different tiers. You have PlayStation Plus Essential, I believe. You have PlayStation Plus something, maybe like PlayStation Premium, or maybe it goes PlayStation Essentials, PlayStation Plus Premium, and or PlayStation Plus, and then you have like PlayStation Plus Premium Extra, whatever it's called. Anyways, you have three different tiers that'll give you access to different stuff, but the real thing is being able to play old PlayStation 2, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 3, and PSP games. So people have been able to have their hands on it already. And the first thing that struck out to me immediately was that the catalog was kind of weak. Um, PlayStation, as we know, has a big back catalog of stuff. So if you've never played a PlayStation game or owned a system before, it's good on that end. But for everything else, it's pretty lacking, specifically the emulation and the streaming of games, which was my concern. This was an issue with PlayStation Now, where they had certain games that were stream only and the quality was not good. This is transferred over to here. And Nick, do you remember the PlayStation Plastic, plastic the PlayStation Classic that came out a couple years ago? Do I remember it? I own it and I used it like once. So those versions are not using a 60 hertz emulation. They're using a version called the PAL version, which is 50 hertz refresh, which then means that all your games are technically running at 25 frames a second. So mm-hmm. the issue and with PAL that, is usually PAL means what they release in Europe. Yes, that's what they release in Europe. So what that means is that your games are running like crap and they're looking like crap. And mm-hmm. the 25 versus 30 really doesn't matter because if you go from like 30 to 120 you're not really going to see a big diff or 60 to 120 you're not going to see a big difference but as you get lower on the frames it becomes way more obvious of when you're dropping Mm -hmm. frames so running at 25 fps is not an ideal situation at all no no so that's the main thing the main i guess issue controversy with it is that the emulation versions are not good they're still using pal versions which people had complained about when they used them for the playstation classic and then the catalog is the other one where obviously because you can't afford to put all of your playstation 
exclusives day one release the list that they have is good but it's kind of we've been there which is nothing against it like i said it's great if you have never owned a playstation a playstation 4 especially or any of these games and you're just not getting into this it's good it's a good service for that but discoverability is not great there it's the same way that i would consider twitch versus youtube youtube has a bigger i guess like catalog or it has some things that are better but twitch overall is better for discoverability it's better for creators and so on and so forth they both have their issues of course but one clearly has more of a cushion and a understanding of what they want to do and the other is still starting out which sucks yeah it's interesting that they decided to uh not really alter the games from what they were on the PlayStation Classic, considering that was a runaway success. It was definitely a good sign that I was able to buy that for 20 bucks a month after it released for 100 because it was just such a runaway success. It's it was they such a keep... runaway. <laughs> they should just keep copying what they did with that because that did so well for them. Exactly. You see, the reason why Nintendo never releases their games on sale under $30 is because they just... They don't sell as well, okay? They aren't selling as good, <laughs> so they need that $60 price tag so that they can keep getting the money revenue. Whereas with when PlayStation came out and they said, here's the PlayStation Classic, but now you can get it for 20 bucks, they made all their money in those first couple of weeks that they didn't need it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely mm-hmm. wasn't on clearance in every store you ever went to. You definitely can't find one at a Ross right now. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I actually am curious now. I want to. I want to look it up on Amazon. See what it runs for now. Might actually be kind of rare now. I I don't think it'll be rare in the way that the SNES and the NES Classic were, and that everyone wanted them. They might be rare Mm -hmm. in the ET, the video game sense, where they're in a dump somewhere because they just did not sell. (laughs) Okay, I'm here on Amazon. Would you like to guess the Amazon's Choice Prime price tag for a PlayStation Classic? I'm going to say $34. $78.80 right now. Hmm. All right. So, so rare might have been a bit of a of a stretch for me, but I was like, oh, no, these I aren't being them. sold anywhere I anymore. Them, guys. They're not being sold if they're clear. Ah, crap. Okay. Hold on. No, no. Okay. Okay. We're. I hear you. The internet is having a little struggle bus. Okay. We're back. Uh-oh. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're here. Okay. You cut okay. out there for a second, but you're here now. I don't remember what I was saying. Something about the price tag. We were talking about how it's seventy eight something uh, on Amazon. Yeah, it's seventy eight dollars on Amazon to to get that bad boy right now. I figured it'd be a bit more expensive because it's not being readily sold at retail anymore. But that is a bit higher than I thought. Yeah, for something that was basically on clearance immediately. Yes, it was very much on clearance. But once again. I'm being fair to all sides. PlayStation has a great catalog. PS5 is a good console from what I hear. If you have never played a PlayStation or a PlayStation game like Nick, then it's a good service for that. Um, the emulation for some of those older games, not so much, but you know, we'll see when the complete product releases this month in June. And I won't be trying it because I don't have a PlayStation 5 to really take advantage of this and I don't want to play it on my mm-hmm. PlayStation 4. But... I'm sure there will be reviews out where you can see if it's really worth um, the price tag yeah. that they're asking. Because the biggest price tag right now is $18 a month for mm-hmm. that. 
or you can buy the year i think for like 120 which i don't think you can buy a year with game pass so it does become cheaper that way yeah um but it's all about how you want to pace it because if you can pay the full price now then it's better but if you have to do monthly installments then it can be a little bit more expensive than game pass but yeah that is oh, so all... i looked it up yes i was just gonna say i looked up the tiers because you were having trouble remembering the names of them we have P- ps plus essentials which is 10 bucks a month which includes mm-hmm. just ps plus ps plus extra which is 15 a month or 100 extra. a year which is PS Plus plus four hundred PS four and PS five games, and then uh, the eighteen kind of that's what it that's what this says. It says that, but the launch catalog is not that. It'll eventually become that. Is the idea? It'll eventually become that. Is what I'm guessing. Because okay. I looked at that list and I'm like, that is not four hundred PS four <laughs> games. Okay, um, and then PS Plus Premium is the eighteen dollar month, one twenty a year. That's PS Plus along with four hundred PS Four and PS Five games, plus PS One, Two, and PSP downloads and streams. So, is it the PS Four and PS Five games you can install, but the older games have to be streamed? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that that's a little tricky. Um, I'm actually yes. since I got my new internet, I was thinking about because I have a good uh upload and download speed now. Um, I was thinking about trying to stream a game just to see how it works, uh, because mm-hmm. I was curious. I think yeah, Xbox probably does it better better than PlayStation does. It would be my that guess. That is what I have heard, is that Xbox does it better. And I bet they both do it better than whatever Nintendo does with the cloud editions of those big games on Switch. Yeah, uh, I mean, to be <laughs> fair, Switch hardware in general is not great for trying to do something like cloud. Yeah. Uh, for those games, but also Nintendo's Nintendo. They don't really have a grasp on anything cloud or digital based, in my opinion. Yeah, that was just their workaround to try and get big games to play on Switch, which I've heard they're like playable, but obviously they're not ideal. And I think if you're the kind of person who wants to buy a game like Controller Hitman that they put on cloud, uh, put cloud editions for on Switch, you probably have the console that plays them anyway. Anyway, yeah, didn't mean to get off topic onto Nintendo. But that's just what I that do. is that's pretty much it for our talks on services, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else on the PlayStation front, at least. We can talk a little bit more about Xbox in a bit. And we can talk about something related to Nintendo if we want to talk about that in a bit as well. I'll let you decide what we do next. What's the thing with Nintendo? Now I'm curious about Nintendo. A book. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. Um, for now, I guess let's head over to the Xbox side of things. Okay. What do you have? I mean, I've just been playing my Xbox over here. My my beauty, my Xbox Series S. I love her. Um, I've been trying out a couple of games here and there. Been playing mostly Fortnite, which I hate. Um, but Mass Sorry Effect. <laughs> I found out that Ashley is a is a racist. Obviously, that's simplifying it, but. I found that out. That plot point was revealed to me um, as I was going through the Nomad and talking with people. Started talking with Ashley and she was like, you know, these aliens, I don't really trust them. Why do we have to have them on the ship? And I'm like, oh boy. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I started the series with two and I don't remember if she's in two or if she's in the three or both, but I remember getting bad vibes from Ashley and what whatever game that I saw her in. I remember getting bad vibes. I don't have the context of of the first game in there, but did yeah, not care for that, Ashley. 
Now, to be fair, I am oversimplifying it, of course. <laughs> it was just the immediate reaction that I got was, mm -hmm. is she a racist? There's complexity to the situation at hand. But did I say the Nomad? I meant the Normandy. Oh, <laughs> I was sorry. wondering why you said Nomad. I think I thought it was like maybe the name of a quest line in the first game because I the first game is a um uh, an area I don't have much knowledge in. I'm Other pretty sure Nomad the, uh, is the is the car that you drive. No, that's the Mako Mako M A K O. I know that's how it's. Then spelled. what is Harley the Nomad? Canada. I don't know. If nomad is a thing in the Mass Effect series. It's a character. Nomad is the ship. Cyberpunk. The Nomad is the ship in no Nomad is the is the car but in mass effect andromeda <laughs> that's what it is in, in andromeda it's the mako in mass effect one i'm pretty sure yes, harley i know i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> that's mako he says okay yeah yes i am sorry i knew the nomad was something in mass effect um, you knew it was andromeda you knew it was from the black sheep of the uh of the franchise yes because that's the one that i've played the most of but yeah mm. um other than that, I've just been hopping into a couple other games. I tried Skyrim for a little bit. I played some Fallout for a little bit. I love playing those at 60. It's weird because mm -hmm. I think I mentioned this on the last episode, but I have a PC that can run them at 60, but just playing them on a controller on an Xbox, looking at a TV at 60 just felt like a brand new experience. And it made me kind of want to go back and replay them. But Yeah, I, I was kind of the same when, I, when they yeah. uh, upgraded them last year. I felt yep. the same. I was like, I could get back into these games, but I don't want to. I can't let that happen. So I'll, I'll wait for a rainy day. I think we I think we did have this conversation on the last episode, but it's been so. five plus years since I played through Skyrim last, but I still feel like as soon as I get back to Skyrim, I'm going to be tired of it. I feel like I need to wait longer before I can get back into Skyrim. I always play a couple hours of Skyrim and then I say, all right, that's my Skyrim, Phil. It's one of those games where I always mm -hmm. want to play Skyrim until I start playing Skyrim. And then I'm like, okay, I'm good. I had my little, yeah. you know, couple hours, got to Whiterun, did a little bit of it. And then I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm done. Yeah, every couple of years I will, get, I will start a new playthrough, add some mods, and then I'll play for like three or four hours and then I'll just forget about it. That's my Skyrim fix usually. And then, like, I think, the la like I said, the last big full playthrough I did was when the uh, special edition special or was called came out in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Because I got that when it launched in 2016. So it would be a little over five years since I played it last regularly. I also think I got the special editions when they launched. I had to make a decision with beer pong winnings in 2016, whether to buy Battlefield 1 and play that with my friends or buy Skyrim, uh, even, even though I'd already played Skyrim. And I decided to buy Skyrim for a second time, and then I never played Battlefield 1 with my friends. Ah, eh, sounds like a good idea. I think you made the right choice there, even though I don't uh, hate well, Battlefield Well, in, in hindsight, I wish I had bought Battlefield. Um, a, because we kind of fell out of contact with my friends that first year of college and then didn't really talk to them again until, like, the next summer, basically. But also, I was huge into Battlefield at that point, and I think that was the last Battlefield that was really good. And I kind of never really got into the game. I eventually played it, but I never got super into it because by the time I got it, it was too late and Battlefield 5 was about to come out. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But outside of that, I'll mention it because it's technically an Xbox thing, but I've been playing Super Liminal on Game Pass. 
and that's been fun. I had to end that stream early because I was feeling sick, but what I did play of it, I enjoyed. It's a uh, perspective puzzle game that's pretty cool. I've enjoyed it. I won't say much because I think that you were saying that you might try that out. Try that out. Yeah, I do. But I uh, deliberately avoided your stream because I didn't want the yes. puzzles to be spoiled for me because I do intend to get to that eventually. Yeah, most of what I played was easy. It was just that last part when I did end it that I was starting to get really stumped on how I was supposed to do it. But mm. it, it's the, it's the typical, you know, puzzle, 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 easy, 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 easy. Now you got to start thinking. <laughs> So I do enjoy that. Uh, same thing happens with Portal. Same thing happens with a lot right. of the different puzzle games that you're going to be playing. But that is one that I do recommend. I've been seeing that one for a while. And now that I've gotten to play it, I do enjoy it. And I want to go back and finish more of it. Yeah, it was funny you mentioned Portal because that's a game that when I first got Steam in like 2016, I think, I um, I bought the two Portal games that were on sale. And I got I got like maybe halfway through Portal One because my understanding is it's not not a very long game. Um, and I got through probably I would guess half of it and then hit a wall and then I never got back to it. Then a couple months ago I tried to play it again and I bet I hit a wall at the exact same point because I just stopped after I was stumped and then I haven't gotten back to it. That's my Portal experience. It happens with a lot of puzzles. I haven't finished XCOM. Oh, it's not XCOM Two. It's the one that they released for like 20 bucks that came out after that. XCOM Breakpoint? XCOM Chimera Squad. That's what it's called. I got to a certain sure. point. Um, I was playing it like pretty well. I was going there, like getting there. And then I just got to a mission where I'm like, I do not know how to get past this. And I just stopped. But I, hmm. I got my 20 bucks out of it. It was well worth the $20 that I spent. That's one that if I do want to restart it, I will. Because... That's a fun one. Gears Tactics is a fun one that I might want to restart eventually. And then Marvel's XCOM game comes out this year as well. But it's other a big than time that, for puzzle that's games. It. Oh, and then I'll mention it here. Me and friend of the show Max did a Lego Batman speedrun. So that was fun. That's right, yeah. I tuned in for five minutes and you died probably 20 times in those five minutes. Listen, man. We are halfway across the country from each other, okay? We have to do it through Steam Link or whatever, Steam Remote Play. So it's not the best connection to begin with. On top of that... Here's the excuses. It's not excuses. It's literally just like my game was freezing every two seconds. So I had to just take a guess as to what I was doing. There's one clip that I will send. We might even watch it at the end of stream today. Okay. Where I could not jump on top of something. You know what? I'm pulling it up right now. We're doing it right now. Oh boy, here because we go. It was just so oh, great. ridiculous and stupid. Um I oh, could boy. not jump on top of this. Uh let's see. Videos. Gonna click on this and we'll come over here. I'm gonna send this to you. That way you can watch that there. You're sending and something then, to me. Yeah. And then I'll go to window capture and I will do this one and we will show that there okay and we'll go full screen all right guys we're gonna play this together in three two one go (laughs) 
I cannot jump on top of this stupid thing. <laughs> it is, it's, it's, a, look, look, I'm standing on it and then it just brings me down. <laughs> and then I jump back into the water. Are you, su- are you suggesting the physics of this 2008 Lego game might be a little wonky? Uh, yes. What? No way. I, I can't do it. There were so many ladders after that, and I just could not. Oh, they gave jump. me the Benny Hill music. That's they gave rude. me the Benny Hill music. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't jump on top of it. He's diving. I'm diving into the water. That's just a one thousand stud, isn't it? Or is that the purple one for ten? No, no, no. You need to jump on it for part of. The, and then look. <laughs> oh, okay. I just hit drop out. You have to jump on it. All right, so here comes Max, right? And he jumps on it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> the pain <laughs> okay so then i have to jump so now i have to go back and we have to jump on it two more times so i have to try to get on top of this thing another two or three times and i he finally got it. on top of it and then i fell <laughs> so i had to just keep trying to jump on top this game we did it that's all that matters. Okay. <laughs> That's it. GG's. Ah, uh, beautiful. That was good content. Oh, I, I didn't see this was... part. You didn't die in this part, obviously. But no, no, no. I didn't die, but but I, I was watching the I was watching it back. You wanted to uh, die. For studying. I was studying to, you know, see what we need to do for the next time. But Oh, um, I thought you meant literally studying, like you were studying for like for like a test or something and no, you had that in the no. background. No, I'm studying for this to do it faster but um no i was watching it then i saw you and i'm like oh hey it's snuck that was i think it was like the second mission which was the mr freeze mission probably but uh you were against two face i think when i tuned in two face but uh, so then that would either be two face chase or the one with the riddler and two face that's probably what it was then it was the riddler and two face battle is my guess Mm. we're gonna go with that um yeah, we're going to go with that. That was a good deviation there. Wow, Ramon out here flaming me, saying a game where Manny didn't die, and then giving me the Hasbulla thing. Ramon, go back to sleep. It's like 3, 3.30 in the morning for you, Ramon. Are you, Ramon, are you up going to the bathroom, bed. Ramon? Go or are you just bed, awake? Ramon. Do you have insomnia, Ramon? I'm very sorry if you have insomnia. I don't mean to be rude. Oh, we didn't even talk about the insomniac thing either. Uh, anyways, well... It's not important. The what? it's already passed. Okay. Uh, the uh, PlayStation and Xbox being offered Marvel game stuff and Xbox turning oh, it down. Right. We never talked about it, but that was the thing that happened. Um, other than that, that's pretty much all I've been doing for games that I can think of. I haven't really played a whole okay. lot. I've been mostly coming home, watching a TV show that we'll get into, and then mm-hmm. going to bed or talking with you guys. But that's all. Ramon says it's 420. He's going back to bed. Happy 420. Have a good sleep, Ramon. Have a good sleep, Ramon. Okay, so what have I been playing? Only a couple games, really. Well, I've been playing some uh, Halo 2. Uh, Stay tuned probably next week for something on Halo 2. And I've been just playing some Master Chief Collection multiplayer in my spare time. But other than that, I've been going through some games that you've been telling me to play for at least a good few months now, I would say. Not like the whole time we've been friends, but it's been an increasing, I don't know what the word is, 
you've been increasingly vocal about making me play the Gears of War games, which I have. Let's go, baby. Boom. I played through. (laughs) Boom. I played through uh, the whole first game uh, last week or the week before. I think I finished it last week. Might have started last weekend, I want to say. The first one was the only one I had played before. I had beaten it once about 10 years ago, I would say. Uh, I got it for cheap from GameStop, and I played through it once. I thought it was okay, like decent. Uh, The third-person cover shooter mechanics have never been my favorite, Um, and I didn't really care for the story or the vibe of it. It was very depressing to me. It was very bleak. Um, There wasn't really much fun going. Like It it just wasn't fun to me. I didn't feel that way back then. But that was 10 years ago, so I play it again. I played the uh, Ultimate Edition version, the remaster that came out a few years ago, and I kind of feel mostly the same about the first game as I did back then. I can appreciate it from a design standpoint. I do think there's a lot of good design choices in it, and I still think I had a fun time with it overall. Um, It just didn't totally click for me like I wanted it to. I don't think of that first game as like a great one of the greats to me. I think it's pretty good. Um, I didn't really care for the boss fight at the end, but it the action did start picking up toward the end, I will say that. Um, it, it was like, it's sort of like Halo 1 in a way to me of, it's a good starting point, and you laid the groundwork for something better down the line, which I can say, I have not beaten Gears of War 2 yet, I'm on Act 5, so I'm getting close to the end, but I love Gears of War 2. It is significantly better than the first one to me. Um, I'm playing... They don't have a remaster of it, but I am playing it with the Series X FPS boost. And playing that thing at 60, it looks and feels fan-fucking-tastic. It legitimately, like, it doesn't look like a game that came out in 2022, graphics-wise, but it still looks like it fits right at home as an Xbox One-era game. It doesn't look like it came out 14 years ago now, which, God, 14 years ago. I That was the first game I remember hearing about in this series, and it doesn't seem like that long ago. But anyway, um... Yeah, I'm loving Gears 2. Uh, I can't find a multiplayer match in there. You and I played a little bit of multiplayer in 3. Um, 3. But, yeah, but multi- uh, multiplayer-wise, I haven't played any of Gears 2. I'm hoping to find a couple games after I beat the campaign. But campaign-wise, it's clicking. It's just clicking for me. The, the gameplay isn't t- totally different, but I feel like it's... Even though the first... <clears throat> excuse me. Even though the first game is better, is well-designed, I feel like this is better designed overall. Um, I'm enjoying the environments more. It feels much better paced to me, especially from a story standpoint, because I feel like there wasn't much happening in the story in the first game, and it feels like there's constantly stuff happening in this game. And they do break it up with, like, you keep getting the uh, updates on what's happening with Dom's wife throughout the game. That's a little through that it has. Yeah. And you're getting, like, it's just... Again, it's just really well paced. It doesn't feel like any of the sections drag to me, uh, even though you're underground for a really long time in Act Four, I think. Um, it's still just—I mean, pacing is a huge thing to me. That was an issue I had with Gears One and with like Halo One. I think those levels drag, and that sort of brings the whole experience down for me. But Gears Two, I'm not having that problem at all, and I'm very close to the end. But I'm—I can safely say I think Gears Two is great, unless it has an all-time terrible ending, which I can't envision. Then I will look back on this one very fondly, and. By the time we record our next episode, I'll probably be done with three. And three now I will ask one question. Favorite. Yes. Yeah, three seems to be a consensus favorite now. Should I go to four or should I play Judgment? Is it worth it to just play Judgment? Judgment is before I believe the first game, in general. So yeah, but in release terrible, order, should I stop and play Judgment before I move on with the series after three? Um. 
depends on how tired you feel of gears of war like gameplay after three mm-hmm. if you feel like you need something a little bit different then i would say play judgment but if after three you're starting to really get into it and you're like okay i'm in the groove i'm actually this is completely clicking with me now like i feel it i'm loving it then i would say go to four because three does a couple okay. gameplay stuff that's a little bit different than the rest of them okay yeah, because, like, I'm getting super into the gameplay now, and... <clears throat> excuse me one second. I'm getting super into the gameplay now, and Judgment's just seemed like... We talked about Andromeda being the Black Sheep. Judgment has seemed like the Black Sheep of the Gears game, because it's a, it's just a spinoff. It's not about Marcus or the Phoenix family or anything like that. Nah, you do have Baird, Baird in there. Yeah, mm. yeah, which I like Baird, but also I don't feel a compulsive need to play a, pre- a prequel about Baird. That feels like just a game that came and went. But if I'm going through the series, I feel like I might as well still play it. So I'm leaning toward playing it, but we'll see how I feel after 3. Yeah, because I think if by the end of 3 you become really immersed, then I would say just keep going with, quote-unquote, the Phoenix games, even though 4 and 5 take a different turn. But yes. Yeah. And I'm sure you know about four and five's different turn that I won't say. I have, but... a, I have a general idea. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I would say. But I'm glad that two is clicking with you. I hope that three just really clicks because three is, it's kind of a unanimous favorite of everyone just loving three the best. Uh-huh. So I'm hoping that it clicks. I When we were playing multiplayer the other day, when we got into that Gears of War 3 multiplayer, I'm like, oh my god, the flashbacks I have of this game. Even though I wasn't, you know, that involved at that time with Gears stuff, I played it a lot with my brother, so we played Horde mode and we played multiplayer together. But specifically, the character models, the maps, the ribbons, the UI, like, so much of 3 is just ingrained in my brain to where I love yeah. it. And I'm hoping that that remaster trilogy um is the whole collection stuff i hope that's true i hope it's an mcc of just gears games because that would make me so happy if uh if the coalition went in and touched up two three yeah two and three since one already got the ultimate edition Mm -hmm. i hope it's true if for no other reason than one through three multiplayer is totally dead um I don't know how 4 is. I'm sure 5 is populated well enough, even though those games aren't as popular as they used to be. I still feel like you can still find games in 5 and probably 4, but 1 through 3 have no population. Like, I I, tr- I searched in the Ultimate Edition, and there's no one playing. 2, there's no one playing. 3, there's enough people playing to get games going, and you don't have to wait too long. But that's pretty much it. And Judgment, I'm sure, is totally dead. Yeah, I- I'm pretty sure that's the case for them. But... No, I'm hoping that we get all of the multiplayer maps and stuff in there so we can play and do it MCC style of, all right, we're going to load into Gears 2 multiplayer because, God, those maps were so good. And we're going to load into Gears 1 or 3 or, you know, whatever. So I'm hoping that that is the case because I do want a complete collection of them with all the DLC as well because 3 had Ram Shadow one i think ultimate edition gave one the dlc that it had um and then whatchamacallit judgment had a couple of 
DLC as well, like episode DLC. Mm -hmm. Harley says yeah. three is practically perfect. You will be hard pressed to find a better pop and lock third person shooter. Yeah, I also agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to three. I'm very much enjoying two right now. Uh, I may or may not finish it after we're done here. We'll see because I still want to yeah. watch a movie tonight. But uh, but yeah, I'm really 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 digging too so far story wise i still don't think these stories are anything special personally like two is an improvement for sure over the first one but i don't the stories as a story it's not going to really stick with me i wouldn't say the stuff with dom and his wife is good but otherwise you know it's just it works for the game but i don't think these stories are necessarily sticking with me in the same way that personally the halo stories stick with me even though the halo stories have all have their issues those and it's probably because they've been just ingrained in my brain for so long but i'm i'm just partial to those and it's the same from gameplay too i like the freedom of, of an fps like that more than i like the cover-based third-person shooter but that's just personal preference yeah and, and we're the exact opposite on this i well yeah i like fps's i like halo though i'm not like shitting on it at all like i enjoy both of the gameplay pretty like equally but something about gears just means more to me I guess it might be because mm -hmm. I played that one with my brother more so than I did Halo. Halo was more of, I'm playing with friends, whereas Gears, you know, he was Marcus, I was Dom, player one, player two, we went through the story together, which is something that I do like about Gears, is that it's not just, oh, generic player one and generic player two, it's Marcus and Dom, the brothers of the Gears games, going through the entire journeys together, so that's something that I've mm -hmm. always appreciated about the co-op specifically yeah. and how it's implemented and how it has a story focus rather than just being like all right here's a player one and here's a player two i do enjoy mm -hmm. that it puts you in the perspective of marcus and dom but yeah gears yeah. has been more of my thing uh than halo has the those stories have stuck with me longer and get me more excited but i do enjoy halo a lot yeah you know, Halo's, I mean, we've talked about Halo already a bunch this entire, like, the entire run of our show, but, like, and the, the videos that I'm doing, I talk about my own histories with each of the games, but, like, Halo was what I had as a kid. I didn't have the internet until I was 16 years old, so, like, Halo's one all the way through, I guess it was, would be up to four by then. I had pretty much only had for campaign, so I played all those campaigns over and over and over again. Like, I have them memorized, so Halo is special to me in that regard, especially from a story standpoint, even though as a 23-year-old looking back at them, a lot of them, they're, you know, again, they work for the games that they're in, which is the best I can ask for, really, uh, but they're nothing too special. But, you know, it's just, that's what I'm attached to, more than Gears, because I didn't play Gears until I was 14, probably. Yep. And then I didn't it play happens. any more beyond the first one until I was 23, so... It's just how things work out sometimes. Sorry, did you say Morbi? We talking about Morbius? No, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I don't have anything for Morbius. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Uh, I shared something about it uh, in the Discord. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but... Um, Either have yeah, I commentary, question mark? So maybe, that's no. your, maybe that's your commentary with Drunkalana. Oh, I was just going to do an episode with Drunkalana. No. Oh, okay. I don't want to do a drunk commentary. I mm. I don't want to watch Morbius. By the way, I'm I'm being facetious. I oh no, do not I don't want, want to see watch Morbius that for a commentary. No. <laughs> Richard's saying it's Morbin time. No, it's not, Richard. No, it's not. If it we're choosing between be the if we're time. choosing between the trash Sony movies, it is Venom hands down for me. I love I love yes, both I of those Venom really movies like in their Venom. in their own way. 
I like Venom when it's when it's Venom talking to Eddie Brock. The rest, like the second movie, knows what it is almost to a fault. The first movie is like half really boring and half hilarious to me with with Eddie and Venom. That's my experience with Venom, at least. Venom just kind of angers. Me. It doesn't anger me. The first one is whatever. The stuff with Eddie and uh, Venom is fine. But everything else surrounding it just weighs it down so much. Like another thing that I will get to in a little bit. Oh boy. Um, but there is one more gaming thing, which is Reggie's book. My boy Reggie fils My body is ready. Yeah. I need to go talk about back Reggie. to playing Animal Crossing New Leaf on my Nintendo 3DS. My boy Reggie fils came out with a book. It's really short. It's shorter than I think we both yeah, expected. It's l- it's less than 200 pages of actual book, I believe. I've got the book right here. He might be able to hear me flipping it's the pages. It's 199, on I think. Um, it's like... It, it, 197 is the end of the epilogue. Then you have the acknowledgments and the yes. index after that. So it's less than 200 pages of actual book. Yeah. Which, I mean, generally, I think of like any major book is like, th- like I would say two, 250 to four. Yeah, to 400, general range. Like, I think yeah. when I read Dave Roll's book, it was like 330, something like that. Something like that, So that's, yeah. that's like, usually my expectation. And I think part of it, as far as this goes, is that even though I knew going in that it would probably be more of a business book than an autobiography, it really is more of a business book than autobiography. He doesn't really talk about a ton of his personal experiences necessarily. Like, he does. He talks about all the different places that he's worked at um, and you know his relationships with people along the way and stuff like that but it is more about about looking at it from a business perspective rather than looking at looking at it as a memoir of his life yeah which is what i don't know how far you've gotten into it uh this is the we're doing a reverse dave girl i have not read it yet you have finished it so Mm -hmm. okay because when we did Dave's, I had read about half of it, and then you hadn't read any of it. So I've not started Reggie's. It's in my backpack for when I go to work. I just haven't started it yet. But yeah. I had expected it to be more business, like, kind of early on. Um, I, From what I'm hearing... It sounds like kind of what I expected. So it's him talking about the way different businesses have operated and his perspective on those. Correct? Yeah, more or less. It reads like, and this feels maybe a bit harsh. It reads like a business manual to me because he will punctuate stuff with little sections in the text that, let me find what it, what exactly it says. Hold on. Flipping, flipping, flipping. It's the so what is what he calls these sections. So after he goes on about an anecdote he'll be like this is the lesson that you can learn from this particular anecdote and that happens throughout probably a couple times in each chapter and it happens through the entirety of the book so with that framing device it feels like he's presenting it as lessons for business um pretty much the whole way through and like i expected it because just hearing him talk the way he talks not to say that he's not human because i think he is human and he's a cool guy but he talks like an executive and he always has yes. like there's no, there's nothing wrong with that that's just the way he talks he he's he talks with big words he speaks very carefully like that's just the way he is that's how he's wired and that's fine that's also the way this book is written and this book can feel a bit impersonal at times because of that and i think the framing device of it being like a business book is part of that that's just how he is i feel like this 
is the closest he can get to giving you that type of autobiography. This is the lens that he views everything from because he still has that part of his brain that even though he's retired, he's always going to have. That's just who he is. Yes, which is kind of what I was expecting. Obviously, we hear Reggie's writing a book. You sort of expect it to be, well, you might hope that it is um, him letting his guards down a little bit more and talking about his life and stuff. But when the title of the game or the title of the book is Disrupting the Game, um, something like that, and it's talking and it's listed specifically about business, I expect it to be more of like, all right, here's a Target Effect book or here's the Walmart book um, Mm -hmm. or here's Creativity Inc. Those are all different books about businesses and business practices and reggie the lot i mean reggie his entire life has been a businessman but the Mm -hmm. more that i have seen reggie these last years the more that i'm aware of him it's been mostly him you know talking about gamestop or talking about being a teacher at the college and teaching specifically business stuff so to me that makes sense so i'm kind of in the same boat of like i I'm expecting it to be a little bit less personal, well, very much less personal than something like Dave's book, but it's setting out for business people specifically is the target mm. audience more so than Reggie meme, Reggie memers, you know? Yeah. We love Reggie, yeah, which I think for a lot of yes. different reasons, but this was one of them where I'm like, it's going to be a business book by Reggie, not an autobiography, fun, loving Reggie yeah. book. Yeah, and we don't get to Nintendo. It's page 85 that we get to Nintendo out of it's, yeah, it's basically like halfway, halfway through the book. Yeah, it's yeah. halfway through. So the it's book. like Yeah, like you get you get a history of his life along the way, but it's through the lens of like this is my upbringing. This was like the work ethic, the work ethic that my family had that led to me going to college and then I got my job here and then my job here and then my job here. So it's still ultimately looking through the lens of ambition and how you rise, rise up in business, the lessons you learn along the way, stuff like that, which I still find interesting from a general perspective. Obviously, I bought this book as a gamer who specifically has an interest in Nintendo and Nintendo hit uh, Nintendo history that I've cultivated through the last couple of years. Um, because I didn't even know Reggie until I think E3 2018, because I bought my Switch right after that school year in 2018, so like the month before, and that was my first time actually seeing him, was that E3, and less than a year later he was retired. He's so hard. I didn't ha- I didn't have that intro or that uh that experience of actually watching him in real time as the head of NOA. So. I have a different experience with him. Most of him is what I've heard post-retirement, which is a lot of, again, a lot of executive-type talk even after he's retired. He's giving TED Talks. He's giving um, commencement speeches. You know, he's joining the board of GameStop, stuff like that. That's more of the experience that I have with him now, less of his actual time at Nintendo. But I did find, if we want to actually talk about the Nintendo stuff now, I did find it interesting in a few different ways. So one thing I will say is that I always sort of thought of the president of Nintendo of America as mostly just a spokesperson role. And I didn't really pay much mind to how involved he actually was in localizing stuff for the West. And as, at least in terms of like the subtle differences to games to make them sell in the West versus what works for the demos in Japan, because they're very different culturally and Nintendo, their head brass is pretty much all based in Japan and they have the ultimate say over pretty much most of their decisions. But 
you know, Reggie was able in his time there to work his way up, make personal relationships with like Satoru Wada before he passed away and with other people in the company to get more of a say on the Western side of things into the decisions that they're making over there. Uh, the most interesting story to me was how he handled the rollout of Brain Age, um, which I actually ended up buying Brain Age as a result of that section of the book because it's only like six bucks and I had never played it. So I bought it and played it on my 3DS for a little bit. Anyway, he had the idea because Sudoku was becoming super popular in the States in the early 2000s. He had the idea to put that along with Brain Age and he had to personally sell it to Iwata, who was friends with Dr. Kawashima, I think is his name, who was like the face of Brain Age and had did all the work that led to Brain Age happening. He did all the psychological stuff. So he had to sell it to Iwata, who had to sell it to Kawashima, being like, Sudoku is a big thing in the West. We believe it has this effect on the brain, stuff like that. And this is why we think it's in line with the message and the goal of Brain Age to pack this into the game in the West. So it ended up working, and that was pretty much an idea that Reggie himself had and spearheaded. So he had a major effect on stuff like that in terms of how, obviously, as a marketing guy and a spokesperson, he was the point of contact to people of this is what this game is going to be, this is how it's going to work in America. But I didn't really think about it from an idea perspective of he could present ideas to Nintendo and affect how the game the, like the actual content of the games in the West. That was what fascinated me. Yeah, I had very little knowing about that. I've heard him talk a little bit about his involvement overall, but I'm the same way. I always thought that Nintendo of America is just a spokesperson for Nintendo Japan. But yeah. I did know that he had a couple of like inputs for certain things. Um, specifically with like the Wii U and the Switch. I remember him talking specifically about his own actual contributions for those things. But hearing about him handling distribution of the West makes sense. Yeah, and um, as far as uh, other stuff that I wanted to mention, the rollout of the Wii in 06 was something that, not necessarily the rollout of the console, he did have a say in a couple matters uh, that I do want to talk about, but the presentations that they did, I don't know if this was specifically E3 or a reveal afterward, but they had one presentation that the show ended with Wii Sports, and because they wanted that to be the big the big selling point for the console. Um, but Reggie was thinking about what Western retailers would want, so he wanted to end the presentation with Twilight Princess, which was going to be coming out as a launch title for the Wii and also still on the GameCube. He thought... Zelda's a proven commodity. Western retailers know Zelda. They will stock it if they think the Wii is going to do well and if they think the game looks good. So we have to position Zelda as the main event, the final thing that we showcase in this presentation. So all the retailers and all the journalists that are here from America can report on it and be like, oh shit, Zelda looks so cool. We need to get as many copies of Zelda in stores as we can. So he had to fight tooth and nail for that to happen. And honestly, I can't remember if it actually worked or not. I, um... I would have to actually look at it and see if it actually worked. But that was another example of like he had, you know, that's something you hire someone like that for is to get a pulse on what the market that he's working in is like. And I think Wii Sports was ultimately going to be a hit either way. But Zelda, he had to sort of prove like this. The Wii can also be for gamers and for uh, for retailers to show a proven commodity off. And he also said that he ended up being the person who pitched Wii Sports to be a pack-in title in the West. It was never a pack-in title in Japan, which I didn't know. They only sold it at retail in Japan, but they sold it with all the Wii consoles here in the States, and that was apparently an idea that he had. So that really interested me, because I didn't know any of that. 
Yeah, sounds interesting. I will try to read some of it by the time we get to the next um, stream and podcast episode because it is not super long. But we'll see how long it holds my attention. But I do love Reggie. Yeah, no, I think, um, and I, I, I will even say this is this book is written in a way, and he talks in a way that is not my own personal wavelength. It seem it's just feels very impersonal to me, which is not the way that I talk, um, and it's just not the way I communicate with people. It, it's his way of speaking. It still feels like he's talking, even though it's written like a business book. It still feels like he's talking because I know exactly how he talks. Um, so like I, I feel like you'll still get his voice shining through, even though on the surface it looks like a sort of a dry business book. And I still feel like even the opening sections, you can you can get stuff out of it that you find worthwhile. It's not just it, it's not just something that if you're a Nintendo fan, you'll skip halfway through the book and read the stuff that you're interested in. I think it's legit interesting the whole way through. Yeah, Harley says Twilight Princess was also designed specifically to appeal to the West. The East loved Wind Waker style. Don't know if he had anything to do with that, though. Can you speak to that at all? Um, I don't think he did because <clears throat> his first his first uh, presentation as part of Nintendo was the E3 where they revealed Twilight Princess with that art style. He had just started there, so I don't think he factored into that because he would have been very new with the company, and that would have been before he was president of NOA. I think I don't remember his exact role, but he wasn't president when he started there. That wasn't what he was hired for. Um, I think he started as a VP of marketing, something like that. He was still the spokesperson, which he always was in the West until he retired. But when he started there, Twilight Princess was the direction that game was already decided. All right, there you go. There's the Reggie segment of the show. The Reggie All segment. Right. Yeah. yeah, I would recommend this book. It's not super expensive. I think it's probably because it's kind of short. Um, I think it was like 15 and I got bucks. On, yeah, I think it was 20-something, and uh, I got it on sale. I think it was 20% off when I got it. Yeah, I think you but, and I got it the same day. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, like I'll, I think I'll read it again. Yeah, it was pretty quick, and shortly after it came out, too. But, yeah, I would recommend it if you have an interest in business or in gaming. I still think, even if you're just interested in gaming, you can still find good stuff in the rest of the book. Yep. Now, it's time for the section where we talk about what we've been watching. There is okay. a main thing that we've that we both watched but there are a couple little things that i'll talk about real quickly yeah go ahead. um let me open up my box real quickly i do have it right here incredible hulk we watched it you heard our thoughts on it it's mm-hmm. kind of mid if you ask me but i mean it's nothing harmful <laughs> it's just you know whatever it's there at least for me personally um mm-hmm. sonic the hedgehog 2 what a delightful movie isn't it fun I saw it finally, and I'm like, this is this is delightful. I texted yeah. you when I was watching it, because I'm like, this is very cute. It's still, it's mm-hmm. light, it's, you know, kind of breezy. I didn't feel the extra runtime as much as I thought I would for the movie. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, it's still there, so it is a little bit longer, and there are a couple sequences that go a little long. But overall, I'm like... I like these characters. I like the world. I like the mission. I buy into all of it. So good on them for continuing to make Sonic cool, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's, uh, I don't know if I ever actually talked about it on the show, but yeah, I liked it. I gave it the classic 3.5. It's funny because the stuff I don't like in the first movie gets a lot more screen time in the second movie, but I liked it way more in the second movie, and I don't know why. It was kind of weird. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you know the exact section I'm talking about. And when we You're do the commentary, the, we'll talk the, about it. 
Yes, because I everything in Hawaii. Saying, yes, because I heard people like complaining about that, and when we got to, it, I'm like, this isn't that bad. I don't know what they're. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I'm like, it's it's all right. It's whatever. It's not really taken away from my enjoyment of anything. So they somehow made the annoying character from the first movie less annoying while also giving her way more to do. It was kind of amazing how they actually made that work because as soon as I saw that that they were going to be in there like James Marsden that's where he is for most of the movie I was like oh we're going to get a lot of screen time here and it's probably going to suck but I had fun with that section me too it was uh, uh you know there was one thing that I'm like really you did this but outside mm-hmm. of that I'm like no it, it, it was fine didn't really hamper my enjoyment of anything because I just enjoy these characters so much that yeah I can look past it. So that is a ringing endorsement for Sonic 2. I'm glad that I finally did see it. Um, let's see. What else is here? I rewatched Edge of 17 with, with uh, Weedif. I wasn't planning Weedif. on rewatching it, but I did. Um, it always happens so that, that way. Yeah. So that was enjoyable. Um, and then I have been watching a couple shows. Now, I... Uh, I like Barry, so I'm not really going to talk about that one other than go watch Barry. There's one show that I had never seen until like two, three weeks ago, and that would be the hit comedy TV show, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. It's good. It's cute. It's... Yeah. I don't find it as funny as I thought I would. It's just kind of cute hanging out with these characters and their lives. It's perfectly enjoyable. Yeah, I would say that. I watched um, briefly. I'll I'll just speak a little bit and then I'll let you have the floor. But I watched it live from premiere all the way to finale. We watched the premiere the night it happened. And uh, my parents and I, and we watched it all the way through. I never remember thinking it was like the funniest show on TV. It was never my favorite show. Uh, but I always enjoyed it. I just like all those actors and their roles. Um, I, again, I don't think the show's anything too special, and it was never particularly funny to me. It had some good bits along the way, but I just thought it was cute and fun the whole way through, and I've barely thought about it since it ended. It doesn't really, hasn't really had like a lasting legacy to me. You're meant, you, you'll mention things in Safari Zone or wherever, things that yeah. happen in the show. You'll just mention them out of the blue, kind of randomly, without context, and I have no idea what you're talking about. And then after a couple seconds, I'm like, I don't remember this, but he must be talking about how I met your mother. Because I've forgotten yeah, most of that show. Yeah, there will be a couple times when I'll mention something and be like, huh? And then I'll just put him and you're like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I I'll, I remember big things that happened or arcs that lasted several episodes or certain characters that recurred, but like here and there, like I don't remember if if I haven't seen if I haven't seen it since 2006 when it first aired, I'm not going to remember an actor that we recognize now who wasn't a big deal back then. Like I think you mentioned John Bernthal was in an episode. It's like in 2006, yeah. I would not have had any idea who he was, and I would have I would not remember him now, 15 years later. Yeah. No, that's, you know, kind of how I feel about it. I'm like, I don't think I'll remember this show past a year, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the characters well enough. I bought into specifically the relationship between Jason Siegel and Allison Hannigan's characters. Mm-hmm. I bought into that by the end of season one where I'm like, oh, that's sad. But for me, it's not like a, it's not like a Parks and Rec where I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life or like a new girl where it's consistently funny mm-hmm. and i like all these things it's just cute light breezy inoffensive 
some people might take issue with that because I've heard a lot of people say, oh, yeah, it's the best, like, uh, comedy of its time or whatever. And I'm like, I don't agree with that. But it's perfectly enjoyable. It's something that I'd probably yeah. have on in the background. I could see it once I finish watching it. It could definitely become one of those shows where it's on in the background and I focus just enough on it to, you know, get some of it. But yep. it's not going to be one where I'm going to want to completely focus on it the entire time. Like something like A New Girl, Parks and Rec. Uh, for some people, it's The Office or something like that. But yeah, that's sort of how I feel about Himium. Himium. How, uh, how far are you in right now? Almost about to finish season two. Okay. I didn't know if you'd even finished the first season yet. <laughs> Harley no, says I it's friends with first... less homophobia. That's a good description. Yes, it. it... It feels like, well, I've only seen, you know, a little bit of Friends, but I'm like, I, okay, I have so not, never watched the a basic, full episode of Friends. It's a modern day, you know, retelling of Friends yeah. in New York, white people. Mm-hmm. But there they was have their meetup spot. Well, yeah. Yeah, there was some. It's homophobia. inevitable. I feel like, I mean. When was the point that you feel like media stopped having blatant homophobia in it just everywhere? Was it like late 2000s, early 2010s? 2015. Oh, that, that late? That's Like not just late, rampant in all media? Like you yeah. thought it stopped being rampant in all media around then? Okay. Yeah. It might be I'm that, like, you know, in middle school, everything was gay. So mm-hmm. that might be like why I think like 2015. But yeah. that would be my guess. Oh my god, you're in middle school in 2015. Mm, was what I? the fuck? Uh, I think you would have finished middle school in 2015. I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's disgusting. Yeah, I, I think I went. Yeah, because I graduated 20, 2019, So, Ugh. that would have Ugh. been no when I started my senior year in twenty fifteen. Oh god, it was so long ago. Yeah, Manny did the whole "I'm young" thing again. Hmm. Bobby's not here to be really offended by it. No, he's not. But that's it for that. Um, before I talk about the big two things of this weekend, was there anything that you've been watching that you want to talk about? A couple things that I will mention. Let me pull up the box to see if there's any particular movies I want to mention. want to shout out. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I did have one, a recent release that might be, I think it is currently my favorite movie of the year. You can watch it on Netflix right now. Time. It had a very okay. li- had a had a very limited theatrical run, and I think it's actually back in theaters this week. I believe it briefly. is going back into theaters this weekend. Yeah, I haven't found showtimes for it. If I if I do, I might actually go see it in theaters. You can watch it on Netflix right now, not in the language that it was released in, but you can watch it. It is a three hour epic from India. It is RRR, which I saw a bunch of people that I follow had seen it. I think back in March or April. And had a very limited theatrical run. I know our friend Herman saw it. Um, and everyone just said it was great. They're like, this is one of the best action movies I've ever seen. The choreography just makes you feel alive. Everything I heard about it just sounded like it appealed directly to me. And I watched it. And um, it's in Hindi, which is not the original language that they... It's not the language they speak in the movie. So it's all dubbed over. And you can tell. It took me about 20 minutes to actually tell for sure that something was off. Um but it didn't really hinder me too much. I think if it were, it, it's close enough that the difference in language wasn't enough to make it super obvious. Like I've seen English dubs over like German movies before, and it's 
super evident to me that it's totally different. Probably part of that is that I understand English, but this didn't seem like such a difference that the movie became unwatchable for me. So I was able to roll with it. If you're not able to roll with it, I understand. Um, I don't know if if they have it in its original form anywhere. Um, this is the most readily accessible version of it, but I would still say, even with that, please watch this movie. It is such a blast. It's three hours, but you don't really feel the length. Um, you get the opening title card like 45 minutes in, and it legit felt like maybe 15 minutes had passed. This movie just flies by to me. Um, they cover a Nick. lot of ground in it, but I still think it really flies by. And I love the two main characters. Are you ever going to tell them what movie it is? I said RRR. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I said RRR earlier. Someone backed I me do, up. Did I, cu- did I cut out I maybe? Because I definitely said saying, it. I do not remember you saying RRR. It is called RRR, the letter R, three times in a row. It's on Netflix right now. You can watch it. In case I didn't say it, which I am pretty sure I did. This is like me not knowing if you said the name of the show at the beginning. Richard heard me. Yeah, let's go, Richard. Okay. Fuck you, Manny. My bad. Anyway. My bad. Anyway, I wouldn't necessarily... Okay, I said it really quick. Okay. Um, I don't know if I would... Harley didn't hear it. Well, God damn it. I'm, I'm going to trust Richard. Anyway, I wouldn't wow, necessarily so go Richard, all the way... Harley or me. I see how it is. Yeah. Yeah, if someone agrees with me, I'm going to go with them. Wow. Anyway. I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't necessarily... Arcadia says I said it. Okay, we're, we're never going to go back to co- to the topic now. Um, anyway, I don't know if I would quite call this an action movie. I don't know if I would quite go that far. It's got a couple great action sequences. Um, it has a lot of blatant CGI, but I feel like they make it work in a way that most movies that look kind of fake and have a lot of CGI don't work for me. I don't know if it's because at the outset they said... We have a lot of animals in this movie. No animals were harmed. They're all CG. Maybe them just outright saying that at the outset made me like the movie more. But there's a lot of fake-looking CGI, and it didn't disrupt my experience for me like it would in other movies. So I was able to roll with it because of that. I was able to roll with it despite the fact that it was dubbed over. And I think that is just a testament to the fact that the storytelling, the, the action, just the general quality of the filmmaking throughout this movie was such that it made me overlook some of those differences that would have normally brought a movie down for me. So, yeah. A big thumbs up to RRR. I would recommend it if you have Netflix, which fewer people have Netflix than I've had for a while, but if you do still have Netflix, I would say watch it. Bobby said he didn't hear it, by the way, according to Harley. Well, where's Bobby? Why aren't you in the chat, Bobby? Um... But yeah, I'm planning to watch it. Um, important distinction. This is a Tollywood film, not a Bollywood film. Don't be like yeah. Nick and think that it's Bollywood. I never said Bollywood. I know you didn't. <laughs> I just <laughs> because like I knew Nick it was not the brunt of the joke. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. One thing I forgot to talk about, which kind of leads into the movie of this weekend, but I want to talk the about movie. the show first. Um, I watched Career Opportunities for the first time this weekend. It's not good. You watched it for a very particular reason, from what I understand. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, you know, mm-hmm. if we're just being completely honest. Um, Star of Ang Lee's Hulk. Star of Spider-Man Far From Home. Star of Homecoming? Alita Battle Angel. Homecoming? Yes, yeah, sorry. Homecoming. My bad. Star uh, of Alita star, Battle star Angel. Star of Snowpiercer on TNT. <laughs> 
star of uh, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Uh, a co-star of A Beautiful Mind. Co-star of star, Top Star Gun of Maverick. Labyrinth, that's right. Star of Labyrinth, correct. Mm-hmm. Anyways. What was, that movie, what was that movie you just mentioned? Top Gun Maverick, baby, the best movie of the year? <laughs> yeah, we'll get it's there. between... Oh, okay, we'll get there. Because there's one more thing I need to talk about before we get there. Anyways, career opportunities. Wasn't good, Um, I would say. It's short. It's under an hour 30. Um, The main character is pretty annoying. But Star of the Rocketeer, says Arcadio. Uh, Harley asking, who was she in Homecoming? She played Karen, Peter's AI. Yeah, she was the voice of the AI. Yeah. Um, main character is pretty annoying, and then the movie just sort of meanders for a while until it gets to the end. Um, so I don't necessarily recommend it, but if you're <laughs> looking to finish out Jennifer Connelly's filmography, you could always watch that one. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a movie. Um, now we have Top Gun to talk about, but I want to talk about the show that you have not finished, that you have not started. Um, and you might not actually watch. Hold, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm looking at career opportunities on Letterboxd. Can I say one thing? Yes. I'm looking at the poster. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure that was Mark Wahlberg on the poster. See, because you see Mark Wahlberg. When I watch <laughs> him in the movies, I see I see a young Drake Bell, who's a pedophile, and we do not condone in any way, shape, or form. But he no. looks like he looks like a young Drake Bell. Um, I kind of see it, even though he looks older there than like Drake specific, Bell still looks. Like, specifically, <laughs> to Am- me, but... Amanda Show, Amanda Show era Drake Bell reminds me of that main actor, who's also in School of Rock. Um, oh, is Yeah, he? I'll just send this image. Yes, he's the guy that shoves them away at the uh, Battle of the Bands auditions, because he's like, yeah, we have a lot of people, we're closed. And then Jack Black starts like, hey, listen, you're going to listen to these guys. So you sit down, you shut your mouth, you sit down in your chair and you're going to love them. He's like, Sheila, call security. And he gets all <laughs> mad. He's like, listen, I'm sorry about that. I just wanted to help them. You know, I go, I, uh, I volunteer over at St. Margarita's teaching the kids music. And I just, you know, I told them that if they play one good show that they'll be able to get into Battle of the Bands. And he's like, what would you do that for? It's like. I don't know. They're all dying. It's like, Jesus, what do they have? It's like, it's a rare blood disease called stick it to the mon eosis. He's like, never heard of it. He's like, you're lucky. And then they get, he's and then they get, into he's recounting the, the whole bands. scene. Yes. Oh, I love Oh, it. there's something I know him from actually. Oh boy. What is it? I he's know him from, from other things, but mostly yeah, this is what I know him from My, the two, the two movies I've seen him in are, School of Rock and Pulp Fiction. He's Brett in Pulp Fiction. He is the guy he in the pul- apartment in that Sam Fiction. Jackson monologues to. He's the guy who yeah. he shoots at the end of that scene. He's eating the big Kahuna burger. He gets Checked struck down upon with great vengeance and furious anger. <sighs> yeah, I love Pulp Fiction. That's I know that's the most yes, film bro that's the other have, one but I love I Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know that's that. That's the other one that I remember him from. Yeah. Just looking at the poster, which I had never looked at too closely, I always thought it was Mark Wahlberg in like the earliest role of his career. That's what I thought. That was how I got no, onto that, never... that tangent. Let's see. What else have I seen him in that might be... Well, now I've seen him in three movies, but I think that's all of them. But he just has that face where it's like, I know that guy. 
Bro, has anyone ever told you you look like this guy's brother? <laughs> was that a super you bad totally look like I his brother. Yes. Because he cut yes. out for me. Yeah. You guys know. You guys know yeah. a guy named Jamie. You totally look like. You totally brother. look like your brother. You totally look like yes. his brother. Yes, that's the. Oh, that's that Jimmy's brother, the guy, the singer. <laughs> Sing a song for us, Jimmy's brother. I can uh, recount the whole. I can recount all of Superbad just like you do with School of Rock. Yes, but yeah, those were. Uh, that's what I watched. Now let's get on to Stranger oh, oh, Things oh, because oh oh, oh oh okay okay I w- okay I thought you were moving on to Top Gun. I have a couple TV shows I want to talk about before. Yes, go ahead. You, you'll talk about BCS. Sure, I will talk about BCS first. Better Call Saul uh, just had its mid-season finale last week. The show is so fucking good, everybody. Uh, I cannot recommend the better, the Breaking Bad Better Call Saul verse enough. If you have never watched these shows, like my co-host here, please watch them eventually. Um, I, I don't, like, outright beg people to watch stuff too often. I'm never someone that's like, this was so powerful, you need to see this. But I would say, if you love TV, if you love movies, just if you if you love this whole field you should really watch those two shows particularly in my opinion better call Saul because Breaking Bad is more exciting from episode to episode it has more huge things happening at a more consistent rate but better call Saul just nails characterization and subtlety so much for me that I just love this show and shit is hitting the fan we've got six episodes left before it ends and pretty much before this whole universe ends I think which that part makes me sad, but they're crescendoing at the perfect point. And so I'm starting a full rewatch of that series before the mid-season premiere, which I think is July 11th. So I've got a month and a half. I am almost through season one. I've got to get through like 53, something like that. Uh, like maybe 40, between 40 and 50 more episodes, I think, if I'm doing the math right. Um, but yeah, I, again, cannot recommend Better Call Saul enough. Anyway, the other show I'm watching which I should mention, this was not a show that I expected to be watching. But our friend Elena had a palooza last week in our in our safari zone. Um, basically, every week in our Discord, one person has a palooza, uh, a different person each week, and each day they assign something for the group to listen to, to watch, just to experience in whatever way it's supposed to be experienced. I've never been an anime person, but they recommended Kill la Kill, which I have been watching on Netflix, and I am through seven episodes of that show. I'm kind of loving that show. I've never really been into anime. I've never really given anything a shot beyond one episode, but I'm really enjoying this show, and it's gone from Netflix on June 14th. I have exactly two weeks to get through like 17 more episodes, and I think I'm going to do it because I'm really digging this show. Harley asked if they announced a third show. Cowboy Bebop, I have that on the list. I think if I get an anime, it's going to be one season anime that I look for, which Cowboy Bebop fits the bill. I'm not going to get into yes. That's usually my thing with TV. I don't want to get into something that I have like, to Like, don't get into lot, One a Piece. A lot into. Don't. For, for I'm, not, just... I'm not going to get into Dragon Ball or Naruto or anything that has 5,000 episodes. I'm not going to do that either. Sure. But, but One Piece, just stay away from that. That's a thousand plus episodes. You do not need that in your life. Um. Yeah. You might like One Punch Man. Um, at least season one, I think, is on Netflix. Um, but that might be one that you enjoy as well. That's a short one. But yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, mentioned Harley's comment a second ago. Um, yeah. yeah, Harley, you're asking about the Breaking Bad verse. As far as I know, this is it for that. We have El Camino, and we've got Better Call Saul. I don't think they have anything else major um, in the pipeline. I think they announced like a little animated short series. Um, 
I don't remember what what it was about. They announced a bunch of little animated spinoffs they were going to put on uh, AMC Plus, but it's little cute stuff about our existing characters. I think like people that are in Better Call Saul right now. Um, I don't think it's anything major. I don't think we have an actual regular show that's coming out. I think it's just a series of animated shorts. But I could be wrong. But I don't recall hearing anything about any huge new entry in the universe. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys, if you heard my mom come in and yell at me. Um, I didn't. Okay. But, yes, Better Call Saul is ending soon. And uh, I hear you and Friend of the Crow, Friend of the Crow, Friend of the Show, friend Christian, of the talk about it all the time. And another yeah. friend of mine, he really enjoys it. It's it's one of those that I'm sure once it's over, I'll start. I think I'm going to finish Himium and then I'll start Breaking Bad. Yeah, and it's interesting because like Better Call Saul is a prequel, but it's also a sequel in some ways. And I don't know what I would recommend first. I think I would just I would I'm usually the kind of person who just says watch stuff in release order. So I would still say start with Breaking Bad because a they will have the yeah, entirety that's... of Breaking Bad, the entirety of Breaking Bad on Netflix, and AMC stuff always takes forever to go on Netflix. So the the ending of Better it Call Saul like might year. not be on there for a while. I was thinking it might not because the show is done and usually they wait until the premiere of the next season to put a previous season on. So since the show's ending, they might put it on there quicker. That's my hope because I think our friend Pete also wants to get to it as, as quick as possible. Um, and I mentioned that to him. I'm hoping they do it quicker than usual because they don't have another season to wait for. But who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Speaking of TV shows with seasons on Netflix, Stranger Things 4 Part 1 came out. now. I am going to sound negative in this assessment of part one. However, overall, I did enjoy this season a lot. I think everything in Hawkins rocks. I actually genuinely love that storyline and everything in Hawkins I think is really cool. Everything outside of Hawkins takes up so much time that it pads out the show to where you have quote unquote seven episodes, but it's a total of like nine or ten hours of content uh, to get through. Going into this season, um, we, me and Nick especially, we're seeing more and more stuff come out about it, and we're getting continually more jaded to it. Um, so the first thing that I saw was they're like, all right, we're going to split it up into two parts. But that was announced a long time ago. And I'm like, all right, we'll see if a part one and a part two are necessary or if they're just doing it to do it. Um, and then they're like, okay, we're going to release seven episodes for part one and then two episodes for part two. To which I said, just release it as one season, then wait until July 1st because it's a month away. Um, just wait until then to release it all. Or do it weekly and then you'll have a little bit more time to focus on VFX, which I believe is what they're doing um, for the last two episodes. Whatever. Anyway, so part one is seven episodes. Part two is two episodes. Then we heard... It's weird, like, that they split it like that. It's so bizarre. I don't... It is very bizarre. But you kind of... If you're gonna split it into two, then it makes sense to have episode seven be the end of that season but it feels incomplete because there's two Mm -hmm. more things there it's not like say like it's not necessarily a direct comparison going infinity war to end game but 
there's a complete story there for a part one and then the part two being end game. You know what I mean? Here it just feels like, all right, here's batch one and then batch two is coming in a month. So it just feels weird. Um, yeah, it feels. Again, I don't even know how this half. The, I shouldn't even say half season. How this part of the season ends, but it just does seem weird to go seven and two. Usually, they'll split it right down the middle, or if it's an odd number, they'll they'll you know they'll be close. It's not five and yeah. four like you like you would expect of a two part season. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Could you do five then four? Maybe. I don't know. I already don't remember how episodes ended, but um, but yeah, so then that was a thing, and then they're like, yeah, you know, uh, there's at least one episode that's longer than Free Guy, and what was the other one? The Adam Project, and I'm like, I don't remember how long those movies were, but I thought like an hour and a half. No, those movies are an hour 40. The final episode, I think, is like 220. And I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ, why? The hubris. Game, that was the main thing game, going into the Game this of season. Thrones at its most indulgent, I think, was like 80-something minutes at most. I think it was like that, And too. everyone went everyone went crazy about how Game of Thrones had all these longer episodes. But, like, at its worst, it was never 220 for a, one episode. At that point, yeah. just split your episode so you can just say you have more episodes. That's what I said. And then some people that aren't <laughs> you get aware, three like, episodes oh, out of that. But... I know. But then some people that aren't aware of how that stuff works, like, oh, but the budget. And I'm like, the budget's the same. They just applied it, it differently. You can, you can still, you can honestly, in general, I think you could probably cut a quarter. You could cut an entire subplot out of this season, in my opinion, mm-hmm. which would be the Hopper and Russia stuff. You can cut that out entirely. It was not needed. It takes up so much time, and it, and I hate when shows or movies do like they somehow survived this literally impossible to survive explosion or crash or something. It just, I hate that to begin with. But then mm-hmm. it doesn't go anywhere for the entire seven episodes that you're there. There's not really character development for Hopper. Um, it it's I guess like very 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 light spoilers. Pretty much nothing, but. Nothing happens for Hopper necessarily. Um, Joyce and Murray, which are the people that go to Russia or like that are on that subplot, they don't really have any development or moving anything about the story forward. It's just a completely separate story for Hopper, Joyce, and Murray, which are characters that I enjoy, but I I don't know why they're included in this season to this extent. So I didn't like that Mm -hmm. to begin with. Then um, they introduced these bullies for the season. You remember how it had bullies and those bullies were so extreme? Those bullies were like slicing and stabbing people. Yeah. Yeah. So these bullies start an entire mutiny. Uh, They they get the town to hunt down a child who they believe murdered (laughs) uh, someone because D&D is satanic (laughs) so we spend so much time with them plotting to hunt down this person um so that wasn't needed in my opinion mike and will 
have nothing to do this season. What Mike? That's what I've heard. Mike, Will, and what's the other one? Um, which one? I think the one Lucas? that's dating Nancy. No, no, no. The one that's oh, dating Nancy. Oh, oh, oh. The buyer's brother. Uh, Will's brother, Jonathan. Yes, Jonathan. Jonathan. Yes. Jonathan? Jonathan. Mike and Will have nothing to do this season because mm-hmm. the basic like setup is that uh mike goes to california to see 11 and will and stuff and then from there things happen where they get separated the show is so disjointed everyone is in different places to where it doesn't feel cohesive as a narrative at all and that's my main issue is that it's so disjointed and scattered that each subplot takes up so much time that pad out these episodes when you can easily rework certain things to have these characters be together. For instance, I said it before and I'll say it again. Cut Hopper and Russia, let him have his death and have the characters grow from that. That is my opinion on that. So that then you have Murray and Joyce in Hawkins taking over the kids. Instead of having Mike go to... oh. Joyce is still in California, so whatever. Uh, instead of having Mike go to California, have L and Will and Jonathan come to Hawkins to do that. That way they're all in one place together where they can go through the big bad of this season together as a group because that was the beauty of season one of Stranger Things was the camaraderie between everyone. And even season three of Stranger Things goes back to that where they're together they're as a group for the most part. There's tension between them, obviously, because they're like, oh, girls, and we broke up this, and now the friendship is getting a little bit disrupted because of different focuses and everything. But they were all still together, and it worked for me. Whereas here, there's four different subplots going on that they don't connect in a lot of ways, and it frustrates me. It seems, I mean, I shouldn't say as an outsider necessarily, because, like, I've seen the first three seasons of this Someone show, who hasn't seen of, this season yet. Someone, that's someone who hasn't seen this particular, the, yes. Yeah. Who's, like, hearing certain stuff and just, again, kind of an outsider, at least as far as this particular season is concerned. As an outsider, it feels like they really, it feels like the fandom is such that they're worried to phase people out of the show or kill them so they have to keep them involved and that makes the show way more disjointed because they have more and more people every year that they have to give a certain amount of attention to even though they don't necessarily warrant it for the story at this point in time that's kind of how it feels like i was i was even remembering jonathan i think feeling superfluous last year like he, him and nancy i think nancy works at like the newspaper or something in season three something like that um i felt like they were superfluous ultimately like it was, there was stuff that even last year I felt like was kind of dragging and didn't really contribute much to the show. And I feel like it's probably even worse in that regard now. Yes. Like I said, Will, Mike, Jonathan have nothing to do this season. They were really just standing around. Harley says, but Manny, what 80s movies, what 80s movie do they have extended references to? Friday the 13th, not Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. That is okay. this season's <laughs> horror movie. Oh, I homage. know. Yeah, I've heard about something as far as that goes. Yes, there's that, but in general, the main villains, the way that the main villain interacts in this season, takes a lot from Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, mm. So that would be, in my opinion, 
your 80s references um, in regards to that. I will say this season toned back references compared to season three, especially, at least for me. It didn't feel as much in your face as some of the other stuff is. They aren't like name dropping new Coke or anything like that. Um, most, I think, as they mentioned Ghostbusters, I noticed that Dustin has like a Ghostbusters button on his backpack, I think. But other than that, it's not really nostalgia baiting, for me at least, this season uh, compared to the last one. Does Mike wink at the camera when they say Ghostbusters? I mean, if he was there with Dustin, maybe, but he's not. Oh, he's not. That's right. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't even I didn't even mention anything that's happening in Hawkins. Okay, so then in Hawkins we have everybody else, which is oh boy, it is Nancy, Steve. Steve is with Steve, Maya Hawk, right? Or like yeah, they're Steve, together as characters. They're not Robin, romantic. Um, uh-huh. Sadie Sink's character Max, Lucas. Okay. Is that is that all of them? Right. You said when you said Winona Ryder and uh, Eleven. They're in Russia, California. Well, yes, oh, but Winona Ryder, Winona Ryder's in Russia. Eleven <laughs> okay. starts in California. Um, uh-huh. So then, yes, Hawkins is Steve, Nancy, Robin, um, Lucas, Max, Dustin. That is the group in Hawkins, and that is okay. the most interesting stuff. A because it's Hawkins, but B because it's directly, it directly has a conflict and something for them to overcome that I can actually like start seeing. Okay, this is where this leads. These are the characters' journey from last season into this season. This is the way that the character is affected by this character. This is the way that the villain is trying to get into these people. Here are certain things that I like way more than definitely season two, probably season three. Like, it's weird because this might be my favorite season since season one, but there's so much of it that I just don't care about. Mm-hmm. But It's got the highest highs and lowest lows. It's the classic case of that. It's the most padded is what I'll say. Yeah. You can, it is padded with stuff that doesn't move anything forward and it's just there but in general the stuff in hawkins i think is really good i think it's a good mystery i like i like the setup of them blaming the DD uh stuff for like the panic um the satanic panic and the way that people are getting killed and how one character in specific is linked to D&D, so they think that he is the one doing it. So I do enjoy that. It's just the the bullies take up a lot of the time when we don't need that. You can easily just have the town of Hawkins itself starting to um, get angry with the D&D stuff and have that be the undertext until we get to the town hall meeting and then they start saying well what about this it's that look at this person and they start blaming it but the bullies just are so over the top and aggressive and take up so much time and they don't feel it's weird because they don't feel realistic to me which is weird to say in stranger things because nothing is but i believe at least 
our main characters, I believe them and their goals or their aspirations or the way that they act. But that I don't care about. But the story about what is going on in Hawkins to me is compelling. It's interesting. I like the way that it unfolds. So that was what was getting me through it. And the camaraderie between those characters still works for me. I had said in the Discord, I'm like, you know, I'm still... I still love Stranger Things because I do really like the chemistry between the characters and the writing for those characters specifically when they have stuff to do, which everything in Hawkins, in my opinion, does. But everything else, not so much. Now, there's one character that I've skirted around, which is Eleven. Um, without going into spoilers, Eleven... I don't know if we know this at the end of Season 3... But it's set up in the very first episode within like the first 10-15 minutes. Eleven doesn't have her powers. So she goes on a journey to try to rekindle them. And that journey is interesting, but I think it's that thing again of it takes up so much. Oh, thank you for the thank you for the subscription, Jay. He said, yo, not here for a long time tonight. We'll catch up on the pod soon, trademark. But enjoy your Bezos dollars. Thank you. Hasbullah gives you the hello. Um <laughs> but it's but 11 is separated from the group again to go on her own journey that takes up time so it's the thing of they're separating the characters again for an arbitrary reason when they could all just be together and so everyone loved the last time time. 11 went off by herself right everyone just loved that yeah i was surprised that they address it they address that character directly in this season. Oh. Which is really okay. weird. It's not weird, but it's like after the criticism they did that they didn't. got. Yes. It's yeah. just like after after the criticism that they got from season two, I thought that they would just completely ignore it. But they address it directly in this uh in this season. But the eleven storyline does eventually connect to stuff. It's clumsy. In the way that it does. But I think overall what it does is interesting. It just goes on for too long. Which I think is my general sentiments about a lot of this season. It's interesting but it goes on for too long. Yeah. So, that's what it seemed like. Stranger Things 4 Part 1. I enjoy it. Kind of. I kind of love it. But I kind of hate it at the same time. Because I think the hubris <laughs> really got to them this season. And they started being like, my shit don't stink. Um, when they that, that should was the vibe have I a got. more focused season. Yes, which was my vibe going into it as well. Because yep. you and me, leading up to it, we had both been getting more and more... Maybe not frustrated is the word, but jaded is definitely the word. We were getting more and more jaded toward the season. And I've watched it because I'm like, I'm going to watch it anyways. Like, I know that, I, that I'll have my criticisms, but I know I'm going to watch it regardless. So I did, and I had my yeah. criticisms, which is mostly, I think it's too long, too much. I think the stories don't really have focus, but when it's good, it's great. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm in the exact with that Harley is in the chat. I, I love the first three seasons, but I've had no desire to watch this. I might watch it after these last two episodes. Um, I might I was, just go through yeah. the whole season after that. Um but yeah, the length of the episodes, just all the marketing leading up to this, I really feel like the show has just gotten too big for its own good. Like, the expectations are too big for it. 
like just everything surrounding the show is just to the point that it's just not enjoyable to me and i feel like they've taken the show too far like re- um, realistically it should have just been the one season but i understand it was so popular they had to continue it and for the most part season two and season three they did a good job of all that like they've made they made it worthwhile they made me enjoy the characters more than i did before i think season three in particular i thought was a lot of fun but at this point just a it's been so long because of covid and all that b the all the marketing around it like i still don't know how i feel about what the fact that they revealed hopper was still alive in the marketing even though everybody knew he wasn't dead i still don't know how i feel about that um yeah all of that and like all the trailers and hearing about that it was going to be split into two parts but the, and all the episodes were going to be really long like just every additional thing i heard like you're saying just frustrated me more maybe um, made me not want to watch the show anymore because it's just it just feels like too much and, and not into it in the same way that i was back then just the vibes are off yeah. now to me yeah the vibes are off and that was the other thing that i that i didn't mention i like watching tv because it tells a story in a specific amount of time like a 40 minute episode episode 40 minute episode. episode has a beginning a middle and an end that you can get through it quote unquote quicker than you can a movie that's just the way my brain works that's why i can go through multiple seasons of a show or something quicker is because i only have to pay attention for 20 minutes or 40 minutes and then it'll go on to the next thing and i can just you know control delete don't care about whatever that last thing was now i'm focused on this one but here because the episodes are an hour 15 an hour 20 it's like okay when is this gonna end and it just drags so long to when i like watched the last four in on on monday and i was like all right here's one here's two i'm gonna take a break after this i watched i think like an episode of barry i got some food and then i came back and watched the last two because i'm like it's watching four movies and people are like oh my god i love that and i'm like i don't i like i watch (laughs) tv for something quicker than a movie um and i'll and like i'll do long movie days like that day when i watched six movies but it's because i planned for that and it's something that i wanted to do not because i'm trying to get to the end of this specific story so mm-hmm. it's it's weird yeah I, I i don't it feels like if i watched the show this past weekend it feels like i would have done it out of obligation and i don't want to watch this show or any show out of obligation i want to actually watch yes. it because i'm enjoying it and feel like i want to watch it season three i wanted to watch and i watched it within like a 12 hour period like because i wanted to watch it and i i haven't i haven't felt that desire for this and maybe i will after the season ends maybe i'll at least feel like feel more inclined to give it it a shot yeah Yeah, but just as of now i'm gonna just chill for this month i'm gonna watch better call Saul. i'm gonna watch kill the kill i'm gonna watch other movies i'm just gonna wait and then we'll see what happens yeah but you know what is consistently good the entire runtime and it's over two hours but it's fucking incredible top gun maverick top gun no not godzilla i mean godzilla versus (laughs) kong is great but that's not what we're talking about today today we're talking about top gun maverick guys scientology works okay now now you got that you got that clean okay let's actually get to the to the topic top gun maverick um, going into this, I watched Top Gun a couple days before. Um, it's fine. I kind of have the same sentiments that a lot of people have, where it's like, 
it's not a fantastic movie in my opinion. It's good. I it's vibes entirely. I like the relationship between mm-hmm. Goose and Maverick, so I buy into that to where I can buy into the end of the movie. Um, well, really the middle of the movie. Um, what happens there? So I was able to buy into it enough, but it's not one where I'm necessarily gonna go back to it super often and watch it all the time. It's not as high adrenaline or high octane or anything like that that some people might think it is based off of this movie but top gun maverick oh my god i want to go watch this movie at least another two times in the theater jesus christ this movie's incredible i don't disagree i have uh first off i have pretty much the exact same experience with the first top gun uh top gun as you i watched it maybe a month ago and gave it three stars it was kind of dull in the middle but like all the all the flying stuff was really cool tony scott knew how to direct action um th- some of the stuff was really good his relationships with Iceman and goose were really fun couldn't have really cared less about the romance all the iconic stuff was fun in that fun 80s way but ultimately not a particular not a particularly memorable movie but i knew i had to get it out of the way because i knew i wanted to go see maverick either way the marketing for this movie i've never really thought it looked like too great i was like oh that looks fun like i'm sure they put a lot of good effort into the production. I'm sure Tom Cruise, I mean, he waited 35 years to make the movie. I'm sure he had, like, he, I always got the vibe that he legitimately just wanted to make this movie. It wasn't necessarily just a career move for him. I like it could have been at other points in his career. Like, I generally got the vibe that he wanted to make this movie, which I appreciated. And I was always thought, yeah, looks good. I'll, I'll see it when it comes out. Um, I was not prepared for, A, the excitement that was going to, be creative for this movie in the the couple weeks beforehand and b just how good this movie actually was like we heard we hear a lot of hyperbole from the uh the critics that we follow the people that we followed in the past and the stuff that we've watched before um everyone's saying that this should be nominated for best picture i still don't think i can go i i don't i don't think i, can I can't go that, that far i can't join them in that battle but my god i had one of my favorite theater experiences, I think, watching this movie. And that's with a fam- like a family of teenagers a few seats down from me whispering throughout the entire movie. That's how you know this movie was good. Because I had a theater experience that was working against me. The, uh, the sound coming from the screen was lower than it should have been. It was a little quiet, but I was able to work through that. I was able to work through the people whispering around me because... The movie was genuinely enthralling and engaging in a way that I was not expecting. I got choked up probably five or six times throughout this movie, just at the most innocuous stuff. Like the opening scene, the opening uh, credit sequence choked me up in a way that I wasn't expecting to for the dumbest reason, which you've seen it, you know, but like it shouldn't have gotten me emotional, yet it did, even though I have no attachment to the original movie. I get cho- I got choked up uh, in the opening flight sequence, the first time he goes flying, the swelling of the music, and just the the whole fun vibe of that entire sequence was like, God, this reminds me of what good big movies can be. And when you say I first time's flying, do you mean like the the test flight stuff, or like when he's flying when he gets back to Top Gun? His his first flight of the movie when gotcha uh, yeah yeah yes yeah yeah his very first flight yes um, that was a awesome. whole fun. Yes, there's a whole fun vibe to that sequence, and it helps that they immediately set up the fact that uh, you're out of date, Maverick, is basically the point of this movie, at least for most of this runtime, um, in various different ways. But 
yeah, just a whole fun vibe throughout this entire movie. There's some stuff that people don't seem to care for as much, particularly the stuff with Jennifer Connelly, uh, but I didn't really have a problem with any of that. I thought it was cute. I thought it was sweet. Um, it was the most I've enjoyed Tom Cruise with a love interest on screen, and I don't know how long. Um, yeah, I mean, really, I don't really have any complaints about this movie. I did feel, and I, I don't know if this is a spoiler necessarily, because I feel like you would probably expect this. I, it, I don't know how long before I realized the fact that this movie was really just structured almost exactly like the first Top Gun. Um, you you swap different characters into different spots, but ultimately it's kind of the same, uh, which I would expect from any any legacy sequel at this point after Force Awakens. Most of them have kind of followed that. This movie did it more rigidly than most that I've seen, but it still felt different throughout. It, it was like, it's what you want something like this to be. You want it to feel similar, but also different. And yeah. it may have been a little too similar to me, but even so, like I, again, this movie just got to me emotionally. I was in awe of the way it was shot, the way it was made. It was the most I have, the best Tom Cruise performance in a long time. I can say the most I felt invested in him in God knows how long. Cause I love mission impossible. I think, Rogue Nation is maybe top three favorite action movies of all time for me, but I, I don't care about Ethan Hunt as a character, and I really cared about Maverick in this movie. Like, they've made me care about most of these characters, I would say. All the characters yeah. you need to care about, all, all the stuff you need to be invested in, it may be invested in, which is all I can ask. It did more than the bare minimum that you would need for a silly movie like this to be good. They went above mm -hmm. and beyond in pretty much every way. Yeah, that's... Like, going off of that point, I think it is structured very similarly, but I think what it does better than the first one is the story and the character stuff, because I feel like Maverick actually has a character and a character arc in this movie, whereas in the mm -hmm. Top Gun, I don't really feel that, other than, you know, after that character has their fate, which, we're, I'll spoil Top Gun, it's 36 years old, after Goose dies... <laughs> You know, he gets all depressed and stuff, and then they're like, nah, you need to get back out there. But what I like about this movie is that he's still depressed about losing his best friend and his flight, uh -huh. you know, buddy and stuff. And it's clearly something that he's taken with him, and it's not just something that happened to him and then he learned how to move on. He, Everyone's telling him in this movie, you gotta move on, because he still hasn't from that experience. So I think that that's something that I liked about it, because it then carried into the way that he trained the recruits because a lot of it was why did you let your your buddy die and it's like well i did this and that it's like, it doesn't matter they're dead so and like the part and there are certain moments when they say all right now how are you going to deal with this situation so i liked the way that it showed his character is trying to grow from that experience because he was them um so I did enjoy that, and I think that's where the movie shines, is specifically with Maverick, because his character mm -hmm. grew, especially from yeah. that first movie to this one. You can see, oh, he's changed. Like, he has seen, obviously, his best friend died, but from then, like, they ask him, why are you still here after 30 years? You could have easily been well-distinguished. You could have been in politics at this point. And he's like, I just love flying. But you see, mm -hmm. you know, in the first movie, he loves flying because he's good at it. In this one... He loves flying because it connects him to Goose and the it, memories it's all that he, he has. had then. That's all that he has for that specific uh -huh. time period. To where he doesn't even... Well, to where the conflict between him and Rooster even reinforces that 
that whole idea and that whole motif throughout the entire movie. As for the rest of the characters, I felt more invested in them than I did in Top Gun 1 because really it was mm-hmm. Goose, Maverick, and Iceman um, it, yeah. in that first movie. Whereas this one, you have a couple others. Like, I liked Bob. Um, mm-hmm. Fanboy was okay. Hangman, obviously, is one of the main... He's, I guess, the Iceman of the movie, but... He's not absolutely the Iceman of this movie. Yeah, like, he would be the Iceman of this movie. But I did enjoy the way that all of those characters interacted with each other up until that point to where you think, oh, this is going to happen, but then something changes and you sort of start to have a couple things they like, I wonder if this is going to happen. But when they set something up uh, for it to pay off in the end and you see growth within at least the cadets, you're like, okay, then it was cool. So as far as like the characters and stuff go, I did enjoy all of that. They obviously aren't ones that I'm going to remember past a week because I've Mm -hmm. seen the movie now, but they worked for what the movie was going for. The main relationship between maverick rooster and goose i would say that is what mattered most and i think they executed those uh elements very well yeah yeah i would agree with you on that all all the characters the supporting cast is uh, like they just work to their rules really well not ever not everyone is designed to handle a lot of dramatic heft but whatever they're asked for i think all the actors handle more than capably i would again i wouldn't say all these characters are memorable i would agree with you on that but they all are totally serviceable for this movie they work extremely well within the context of this movie not everyone is designed to be super memorable and a lot of these characters aren't but they're fun for the movie which is important because you need Again, we're talking about vibes earlier. You need the vibes to be right. You need you, you need to get need a dynamic between these cadets, and the dynamic always shines through. I agree. You like, get a cl- uh, I feel like you get a clear sense of how each cadet feels about each other and how they each feel toward Ma- towards Maverick, which is again all you can ask for. And I think how they feel about themselves because yes. because uh, Bob and I forgot her name, but the two of them they're kind of the more I would say like. We know we're good pilots, but we want to learn more. <laughs> kind of like mm-hmm. cadets. And then you have Rooster, who's kind of just pissed at Maverick the entire movie um, for reasons that they explain and stuff. So he's like wanting to prove himself as a good pilot. But then you have Hangman, who is just <laughs> ass the entire movie. Yeah. He Literally the first meeting, like the first briefing that they have when they introduce Maverick to all the cadets, he puts in a toothpick in his mouth he smiles and the camera holds on him frozen there for like a solid five <laughs> seconds. I saw that and I'm like, oh my god. They really She's got just such a shitty thing grin in this movie. Yes. I oh Phoenix. That was her name. Yeah, her name is Phoenix. <laughs> That's right. Richard with the correct comment. Yes. Yeah, Richard Richard's um, right. Um Richard is right. If you're watching the Twitch stream, you'll know what he's saying. But, um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Glenn, Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell was Glenn the Powell. In this movie to me. He was think, so good you, in this movie. Yeah. Now I know Other you don't than care being... about this. Okay, go ahead. I said I know you don't care about this at all, but he kind of shot up to the top of my list of if they're casting Fantastic Four right now, get him to be Johnny Storm. I, you I cannot fathom how little I care about this, but yes, I know on. you do not care about it, but at the <laughs> same time, I'm like, 
if you're going to cast someone, you can cast Chris Evans or you can cast Jacob Elordi. But to me, that is Johnny Storm personified. <laughs> and you'll mm-hmm. get a character arc out of him. But in general, yeah. I, I enjoyed Hangman and uh, Rooster's relationship with each other. There wasn't as much gay in this movie. There was a little bit between them, but mm-hmm. it was nowhere near the levels of, you know, Goose and Less overt Maverick. homoeroticism. Yes. Like, we don't yeah. even have a volleyball game. We have a football game. Whatever, everyone is still shirtless. They they try and they try and they make are. that. Uh, it, it's more this time. It's at sundown, so it's not yes. as bright. Not everyone's not quite glistening in the same way that they glistened in the volleyball scene. Um, yeah, it, it was a random thought I had, but I don't remember the last time I saw Tom Cruise shirtless in a movie. It was just a random thought that I had. I'm like, I feel like you don't see him shirtless that often. He he's not that type of action star. No. I don't know if you... I've never seen any of the Jack Reacher mo- movies, but that would be my have, guess is one of those. I've seen them and I don't recall. But I... Yeah, so... Ma- I ma- oh, ma- I think he is in uh, Ghost Protocol, actually. He might be <laughs> might be shirtless more often than I think, but it seemed weird to me when I saw him like that because I'm like, I feel like I don't see this like that that often. Like, other action stars, they make a point of like, this is a hunk. He's going to be shirtless. He's going to have his muscles. The Rock. Like, for example, yeah. But you get a lot of action stars like that, and Tom Cruise has never been an action star in that way he's not solely there to be a good looking block of granite with huge muscles that's never been tom cruise's thing because obviously he's a short little guy and he runs really fast that's his thing yeah harley says rogue nation yeah rogue nation where he's captured at the beginning i think and he's chained up ghost protocol he's in he's in jail i think he's shirtless in the beginning but he eventually puts a shirt on well obviously he puts a shirt on at some point in the movie but i think in the opening sequence he puts it on yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Harley. Um, For some anyway. reason, I, I think like Jack Reacher, he might also be shirtless. I've never seen them, but that just sort of seems yeah. like a movie where an action star would be shirtless. But obviously, you know, Tom Cruise isn't quite like that. But, you know, we talked a yeah, bit Jack- about the character. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, if we're done with general thoughts, we can get into some spoilery stuff, even though it's not a huge spoilery movie. We do still it's have people really listening not. that might not have seen it. I do have a couple yes. things I would like to discuss. I, I have a couple like goes. non-spoiler stuff, specifically like the filmmaking stuff. And then if we want to talk spoilers, we can. Oh, Jack okay. Reacher is also correct. I knew it. Oh, okay. So he okay. is also shirtless in at least one of them. But the way that this movie was shot is incredible. Ugh. It is Ugh. so good. The flying <laughs> sequences, bro. Oh, my God. The first time like they got off the tarmac. Uh, well you know the boat and they go mm-hmm. up into the air and they're like just having a nice breeze but then when you get to the end of the movie we're like all right you got to do a vertical you got to go straight up you're gonna reach nine g's and you're gonna start like mm-hmm. dying up there because you might not yeah. make it oh my god it's so good when they do the little like underpass when they're going like over the mountain and they have to like go upside down and then go back and then oh my <laughs> god it's so good it is so uh. good it is not feasible to make a movie like this at all times. It is really not. <laughs> CGI more than has its place. It gets overused by people too lazy or too cheap to make a movie look good. A but Tom percent. Cruise is not one of those people. Tom Cruise is a fucking maniac. He he will he will get anyone to make a movie that is like the way he wants to make a movie, and he'll keep working with those guys. He's worked with the director of this before. He worked with him on Oblivion, I think. Um, Chris yeah, McQuarrie. Was, he, no. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Chris McQuarrie was... was involved in this movie. He r- produced and maybe wrote this movie. He does the Mission Impossible's mm-hmm. now. 
Um, yes. Anyway, he's got his people that he likes to work with, and they are just as crazy as him when it comes to production. And this movie was the prime example of that. This movie looks so fucking good. And again, it's not feasible to do this for every big movie. But if you can do it, and you're crazy enough to do it, God, it's so rewarding at the end if you can make it work. And this movie made it work. It really is. Like, obviously, there are, you know, things where you can't shoot this because it's fantastical or it's space or whatever. But if you ever try to do something in real life and you use CGI rather than doing what this movie did, I will never forgive you. Because this movie <laughs> did so much practically and it made such a difference to see everything just be that real. Like, obviously, you know, if people are flying, then they'll might, like push the, their chairs back, you know. But in this movie, when people are flying, their face is getting smushed. Their eyes mm -hmm. are squinting. Their feeling the g's man the g's in this movie you feel them did you have tom cruise come up before the movie and say hey we're really yes. excited that you're yes we have the yeah. exact same thing you feel the g's in this movie man it is incredible and obviously like you have the wide shots and everything but just looking at those planes do those maneuvers oh my god it's so beautiful it is yep. fantastic i cannot say enough nice things about this way this about the way this movie looks and feels me neither it is awesome. The entire third act, I was on the edge of my seat and uh -huh. I was just like, oh my God, I feel alive. <laughs> did I send the yeah. uh, the lowest clip? I th yes, yes, you did. I'm pretty sure. Where, where it's like me coming out of Top Gun Mavericks. Like, <laughs> yeah. what a rush. I feel so alive. That is how I oh, felt. Yeah. Like the way that you felt coming out of, uh, whatchamacallit, the novice. That's how I felt coming out of this uh -huh. movie. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ, I want to do something incredible right well, now. To be clear, that's also how I felt coming out of this movie as well. Yes. Oh, man. It just, oh my God, it feels. Is feels this the happiest I've ever sounded on the podcast? I don't know, maybe. Is this the happiest either of us have ever sounded on the show? I don't know, kind of. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. This movie I've had a smile on my face so the last 15 good. minutes. Me too. This movie I've never, I've never wanted to go. Fantastic. I've never wanted to go see a movie in theaters again as quickly as I wanted to see this one. I'm, I'm seeing it one of the days this week. I, I will make I sure go, that. that if happens. I'm not doing anything tomorrow, I might go to the Dolby and watch it. The Dolby. Yeah, I'm gonna see it in Dolby. I thought about IMAX, but I think I, I think Dolby might be the play. We, I think the theater here that like I that I'm thinking about going to, I think that is a Dolby theater. Um technically mm. so that's the one that i'll most likely go see it in again but this movie fantastic i never really felt the length i did feel like the third act was going longer than i thought but i was not complaining i'm like oh this is longer than i thought it was gonna be but in a mm -hmm. good way because it just yeah. keeps building on top of each other it is so mm, it's incredible okay it's, now hear me out this might be the big brain play as far as i'm concerned i see it in dolby yes and then i see it a third time in imax I think that is the correct play, yes. <laughs> this is the play, especially because I have AMC A-list now, and I'm paying 20 bucks a month anyway. I might as well just go see this movie as many times as I want. <laughs> yes. Because there's nothing else coming out in the next couple weeks that I give a single fuck about. Yes, that I think that's, that might be my play as well. I think I might go see it tomorrow. Because mm -hmm. um, I don't think I'm doing anything tomorrow. So I think that's what I'll do in regards to that. I wanted to go see Eow again but it's not playing anywhere so i'm like okay i'll just buy the blu-ray when it comes out and i'll have it here for speaking of which friend of the show max saw it um he liked it but that's not important 
So I think I'm going to go watch Top Gun again because of just how good it is. Uh-huh. Okay. <sighs> you want to talk about spoilers a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about spoilers. Okay. Uh, spoiler warning. We'll count down from five. I will go five, four, three, two, one. Then I will say spoilers. Are we good? Are we ready? We're ready. Let's do it. Five, four, three, two, one. One. Spoil spoilers. Did you ever think he was actually gonna die? Yes. I, I was going back and forth the whole movie. They set it up like they lean too much into it throughout the movie to make me think he's actually gonna die. Yeah. But to a fault, I hit, think, a little bit. Yes. But when he gets hit, I'm like, is he dead? Is that it? When he got hit, I was like, this happened kind of quick, actually. I feel like there should be more sequence after this, which ultimately turned out there was. It turned out um, there was, yes. Yeah. But because I am but because I was thinking about how rushed the third act of the first Top Gun was, I thought that that was going to be it. Rooster was going to uh, memorialize uh, Maverick. There's going to be a speech mm-hmm. there. They're going to talk about how great of a pilot he was. The cadets were going to reflect on that stuff i thought that's what they could have done but then when you know he find he ends up being alive i'm like okay i'm not surprised by this yeah and i also wanted him to be alive i was like don't kill him at this like at a certain point in the movie i was like don't kill him i'll actually dislike it more if you do kill him here <laughs> yeah it, it's it's interesting because like this ties into Something that I still don't know how I feel about, like, an overall idea they go with with this movie that I still don't know if I agree with. Because the whole movie, he doesn't want to be a teacher. He wants to do what he can to still be flying. He doesn't want to be a general. He doesn't want to be a teacher. Like, he failed as a teacher, as an instructor at Top Gun 35 years ago. All that. The the movie, in theory, like, you know, any legacy sequel is supposed to be about passing stuff on to the next generation. So every movie, Star Wars, you've had our major characters killed off. Even Scream, now you've got major characters killed off. So they set it up as far as that goes. And even as just a teacher, I was thinking, okay, he's going to be a teacher and Rooster's going to have to be the Maverick in the third act. And it's like they're actually going to be ballsy enough to keep Tom Cruise on the ground in the third act. I legitimately thought they would actually do it that way or at least that he wouldn't be the literal leader of the team because he was the only person that could do it that sequence where he steals the jet to do the trench run basically that they have to do i thought was just going to be a teaching moment of him showing them it can be done but instead they turn into he's the only person that can do this he has to be the leader of the mission which feels a bit tom cruise ego trippy to me but it still works so well for the movie and ultimately works to service that relationship with Rooster in the third act that I'm, I don't have as much a problem with it as I did when they said, when John Hammond said, you're the mission leader. I got a little concerned. I was a little concerned at that point, but I think they ultimately made it work. It just feels sort of against the, it feels sort of against what the message of the movie had been to suddenly be like, this old guy's the only one who can actually do it. None of you guys can, can stack up to him. It feels like a yes, weird message was, in that regard. Y- yes, but I was also expecting it to be that. So it's like I, 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 I honestly thought I don't think I ever was going to be there. Yeah, I shouldn't have ever thought Tom Cruise was not going to be in the air in the third act. But I was surprised that they explicitly made it change the point of the movie at a certain point to be that he's the only guy who can actually do this. That just yes. seemed like a weird beat to me, and they did it sort of by undercutting well i guess it doesn't undercut the other characters but like 
Rooster's afraid of going too fast, or Hangman's too reckless. Everybody has some some. Uh, everybody Something. has their own drawbacks. Yeah, they sort of diminish the other characters to make a point that he's the only person that can do this, and that just feels a little weird to me. Like I said, but I think what's impressive is that even with my reservations at that point, they still made it totally work. Yep, I'm right there with you. Uh, one other thing for spoilers. Um, the way that they handled Iceman in the movie, I thought mm-hmm. was very respectful. <laughs> yeah, super, super tasteful. I didn't, I don't think I actually knew for sh- for certain that he was in the movie. I know in the trailer they have like his portrait that still portrait. shot of him that they show a couple times. That's in mm. that's in the trailer, and I'm like, okay, they could have. I didn't know if they took a picture of Val Kilmer recently for that. I don't know exactly how they handled it, but it's clearly not. 1985 Val Kilmer. No. So I was like, okay, he had to have been involved at, at some point in this movie. At some point. I didn't know the I didn't know the timetable of his illness and how how he was when they filmed the movie, which would have been 2019, I think, maybe 2018. Um so yeah, I didn't know about all that, but actually seeing how he was handled in the movie, when I saw that he was texting back and forth with him in a couple scenes, I thought that was going to be the extent of it and that he couldn't do the movie. And when they actually did the scene between them, I was surprised and appreciative of how straightforward they were about it. It's like, this is what Val Kilmer's dealing with. This is what his character is going to be dealing with. Mm. And so they structure the scene around that. It's still super sweet. They obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but as that scene was progressing and he was having to do the the type-to-speech thing, I was like, he's going to say something with his actual yeah. voice and it's going to be the big dramatic button of the scene which it is and then you have a joke that in in a smugger movie's hands would actually undercut the scene but in but this movie's hands it makes the it makes the scene much more earnest and it makes it work it a thousand percent does that was one of the things where like my you know my dad worked on tombstone so there's already an affection for val kilmer in our household mm-hmm. and stuff but you know, and my dad saw the Val documentary. So it was one of those things where we had known about these things going into it. So seeing the way that they handled it and A, they didn't just kill him off, you know, just cause. Um, but B, I feel like they more so than someone that's like, all right, we're going to give you a cameo in the movie uh, because you're here. Like, let's say like Lando in Rise of Skywalker. Terrible movie, uh-huh. right? This one felt like, how would you like to be honored in this movie? And I felt it was way more of, let's work with you through this, that we can get you in here with something that means not only a legacy for the movie, but for your character. And I think overall for his career, because Kilmer doesn't Mm -hmm. do a whole lot of stuff now because of his um, surgery that he got where he can't, like his speaking um he can't really do it anymore um i believe they like he has a text-to-speech thing that he does um Mm -hmm. for his voice or he will sound like how he sounded in the movie um but to me this was just like you're my i don't want to say like you're my friend i want to honor you but we want to honor you in a way that's meaningful for this character and for yourself because you mean so much to us and that's really what I got from this movie in general was that it wasn't just, Hey, we're going to do a sequel to Top Gun. It was, we're going to do a sequel to these characters and these actors that we love. And 
it worked yeah. for me. I started getting choked up during that part because I'm like, ooh, they like not like ooh, but like ah, they they went there and they addressed it and they didn't try to hide it or anything. Mm-hmm. They showed it. Yeah, and obviously to a certain extent he gets this treatment because he was a huge star in his day and mm-hmm. because he's an iconic character other actors with various disabilities won't necessarily get that treatment but i still think as far as a statement on handling disabilities and making things work in movies around actors disabilities this is a huge a huge moment for that in terms of being like we can do this if we put the time the effort and the care into it you can make it, you can make something like this happen you can make it work and in the case of this movie, it paid off in a huge way. Yeah, I think it paid off really well. Because it it was a quote-unquote like big thing, but it wasn't something where it's like, oh, it'll linger through the entire movie that he has this. After a minute, you're already used to it, and you're just moving on with mm-hmm. the rest of the movie yeah. like normal. And you're like, and- I don't see this. I just see two characters having a conversation. I don't care yeah. about the technology or obviously you care about his health because it plays a part in the movie but you're you don't get taken out of it because you're just like that's what he has let's go with it that's it yeah and i will to springboard off this into another point about the movie other i keep comparing this to like force awakens because it does feel like that in terms of like in broad structure it's it feels basically the most like it i would say of the- yeah sequel remakes requels whatever this is it yeah. feels the most like rise of skywalker for some reason yeah. anyway m- the point of that being movies like that and marvel movies that we get now they're structured so that you get that beat so people can clap when they see a thing they recognize whether it's a character a piece of iconography whatever S- movies are structured big movies that are big legacy sequels are structured so that you can pause and give your audience in the theater time to clap and you get moments like that when they find, I think it's the F-14 in the third act, the old shift that Tom flew in the first Top Gun. It feels organically integrated into the movie. It doesn't feel like the Millennium Falcon when you see it, which in Force Awakens, which I love that moment, but it's like, we've got five seconds here for you to clap at the screen. That's what it's there for. And it's sort of the same with Val Kilmer to me. I feel like another movie would make a show of it and be like, look, we're bringing this character back for a cameo. This is where you clap. And I feel like this movie handles all that older stuff in such a way that that's not the point of it. It legit feels like it's integrated into the story in a meaningful way that also makes sense, which I feel like in lesser movies, I guess I'll say lesser movies, because there aren't many of those movies I like as much as this one. They sort Mm -hmm. of make it so that the reference is the point, not necessarily how it affects the story of what you're watching. Yeah, and and I like how this one holds off on Iceman for the first third of the movie. Like, you'll get Uh a couple text messages or anything like that, which obviously you can't have him do a phone call or a meeting or something like that because of Kilmer's condition. But I like how they just hint at Iceman, you know, saying like, hey, blah, 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 I need to see you, until that final act when he's like, I need to see you. And it's uh-huh. a when he when you get to the house, you know, Tom greets the the wife, and then you know there's that silent moment where he's like, "It's not better. It's it's getting worse." Uh-huh. So I like that it just sort of like eases. I don't want to say it eases us in, but it works to reestablish. You know, a lot of Cruz's friends are gone except for flying. So it's yeah it sort of gives him that motivation of, well, 
Goose died, Iceman, you know, he's off doing political stuff, and now his disease has come back, so he might, you know, obviously he dies um, in the movie at one point, but even before that, it's like, I don't have that opportunity to do that again with Iceman or anything like that, uh-huh. so flying is a way to honor both them and, you know, myself and whatever, but I did like the way that Iceman was introduced and integrated into the movie because of that reason. Because so much of it yeah. is him saying like, oh, I don't want to go teach at Top Gun or anything like that. But Iceman is the one that encourages him to do that. And so I did like his role in the movie in that sense. And, you know, going off of what you were saying, I completely agree with that. I was trying to think, is there anything else spoiler-wise that I didn't touch on? I don't really think there is. We didn't really talk about too much about his relationship with Jennifer Connelly. I did There's say really I think it's really there. sweet. Yeah, yeah it, I think it's sweet. sweet and it's cute. It serves its purpose well. I think, I, I mean, Tom's always weird on screen romantically to me, but I still think they have decent enough chemistry that it works. Yes, I will never take Jennifer Connelly. I will never, well, I'll never complain about Jennifer Connelly in a movie. That's what <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, there she doesn't go. really have a whole lot to do other than just being like, yeah. hey, go fly that plane. Go do that mm-hmm. thing. You'll be back out there. So it's kind of like, okay, maybe we didn't need you here, but I it was fine. It didn't take away anything for me. I'm just like, all right, it's a relationship for them to have yeah. in the movie. Yeah, but, again, I thought it was sweet, and I think, if nothing else, it represents, like, this is what your life can be after you're done. Because the movie makes yes. it explicit. Like, like, either way, whether he's on the mission or he's just a teacher, he's done after this. So you've got to have something you got to have something in your life to fall back on after that. You've got to have something to live for, basically. And he, find, he finds that, so it serves its purpose in that regard. So I'm okay with all that. Yeah, I'm fine with that as well. Um, I like Bob. <laughs> That's all I'll say. You this mentioned Bob, good... yeah. Louis, uh, Louis Pullman. I Louis forgot. Pullman. Man, I, I, I would have blown my dad's mind if I said, hey, you know Bob in that movie? He's Bill Pullman's kid. My dad would have yeah. loved to hear that, and I forgot to tell him that. Yeah, uh... He was cool. I just like yeah. how they're like, no, again, Bob, all the, all the supporting characters were and fun. Just, yeah. And I'm like, Bob, you're fun. <laughs> I don't care. Like, yeah. you're fun. They, they were just cool. Yeah. And I, I will not stop talking about how good this movie just looks and feels, but mm-hmm. that is retreading on stuff that we've already talked about. I think that's it for our Top Gun talk. Top Gun. I think so. Yeah, that's, that's all a, I've got. Do, do I have to pull a block for that one? Eh, yeah, I don't care. Okay. I'll let the chat decide. Alright, but <sighs> that's all I got. Top what a Gun picture. Maverick. We highly yeah. recommend it. <laughs> we do. Love that thing. It, Love that it thing. It might be my favorite of the year so far. It, it's that or it RRR for me. Be. I'm leaning toward this probably. I'll watch this one more for sure. Yeah, I'll watch this one more. Like, because, you know, me, it's this or Yao. So, um, it's close between the two of them for me personally. For different reasons, of course, but those are two. Yeah, I didn't, I I didn't. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying, like, those are just two movies that for me really worked on most, if not all levels. Whereas I know it didn't work for you on all levels, but RRR did. Uh So, it works out. Yeah, I... I hadn't had a movie so far this year that I had outright loved, and I got two of them in the same week last, or in in the same week last week. So 
I was yeah. very happy about that. Yeah, this yes. year's looking a little it's dry as far fun. as that goes. Hopefully, the small movies that we don't know about yet really hit in the second half of the year because the big stuff. I don't think anything's going to top Top Gun this year. I don't think anything's going to top Top Gun either. So far, this is just oh, it's so good. I don't yeah. find myself wanting to rewatch a movie as much as this one. Yeah, and not not even for like a particular reason. Just I want to have that experience again. It's not like not like yeah. I'm going back for a specific scene. It's not like there's something that really moved me that I want to experience again. It's just the whole package, like start to finish. I want to see it on a bigger screen with ridiculous sound because I saw it on a regular screen and it was kind of quiet. So that's that's what I want. That's my first step is to see it with stupid sound. That's what I want. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm right there with you, man. But guys, that's pretty much our episode. I think this is a good length and a good place to stop it. So that's what we're going to yeah. do. I, I enjoyed all the combos we had. Me too. This was a this was a good episode. This was a good episode. I was feeling it this episode. Had a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Some weeks it's some weeks I don't have this much stuff that I actually want to talk about, but we had a lot of yeah. good stuff this week. Yes. Like I said, I wanted to pile not pilot. I wanted to aggregate the stuff so that we can have a big yeah. good episode. We could do an episode every week where we're just shooting this shit. I'm not opposed to that, especially while you're home for the summer. But yes. if we want to actually get into some topics, then sometimes we got to wait for stuff to happen. All the stuff happened yeah. in the last week or so. We'll probably have another episode in the next two weeks or so. But yeah, that's going to be it for us tonight, guys. Yeah, don't know what our next commentary is going to be. If you guys have a have an idea in there, put it in the chat or talk to us in Discord. We take requests. I don't think we've ever actually taken a request before, but if someone has an idea, I'm willing to hear it. For now. Oh, we didn't talk about Obi-Wan. I don't care. Moving on. Uh, We'll talk about it when it's done. Yeah, we'll talk about it when it's done. We'll see if it will anger me as much as uh, Book About Bobad Fett. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can pull a block for that one. I could feel your mouth contorting in such a way that it felt wrong to say it like that, so you pull a block yeah. for that. Yeah, guys. Uh, I was just going to say, if you guys are listening to this when it comes out, I think Halo 2 video next week, I, I would say, pretty safely. Maybe by the end of this week, we'll see how the editing goes on that. We'll see how long that takes. This is a meatier video than my last one. It's going to be probably 20 minutes longer or so. So I'm hoping to have it out by the end of this week, probably next week. But follow our YouTube. It will be on the YouTube. We'll have all of our links in the description below to our link trees and to all the channel, all the channels that we released this bad boy on. And that's what I got. And that's pretty much it, guys. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye bye. Everyone.